Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 $50 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spotlight on Fightful. I am Stephen Jensen, joined today by SP3 once again, filling in for Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy's got to do some traveling this morning, so I called in my uh, good buddy and Degrassi brother and Mighty Ducks brother. Everyone knows me and SP3, good friends, and it's always good to have him on the show. SP3, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning, man? 
I'm doing great, and it's great to be back on the spotlight. I call myself the spotlight utility pay player, the sixth man of the spotlight. Whenever you guys need someone to fill in, I am here for y'all. So happy to be here, happy to fill in for Jeremy. Hope Jeremy is doing well, and hope everyone watching is doing well. Yes, me too, absolutely. we got a good show for you today. Um, got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, obviously, we're going to cover everything from uh, all the topics we normally do. And at around 10 a.m. Eastern time, y'all will hear an interview from myself, Jeremy, and PCP Crazy F and Manny, which is a great interview. Dude's been around since like the 90s in wrestling and as a promoter, as a wrestler, as a deathmatch legend. I mean, it's a it's a great interview. Um, and for those of you who may not know, IWS is what Manny, uh, the company Manny founded, and he's still a uh, promoter for. And uh, they're heavily responsible for like launching the careers of guys like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and stuff like that. I mean, Manny tells a story during the during the interview about how he and some others came up with El, the El Generico mask gimmick and everything right before Sami Zayn went out there and did it for the first time, you know, and stuff like that. So, I mean, there, there's some really cool stories he tells, um, and that'll be at around 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, outside of that, we might as well just jump right into the topics, and uh, we're going to start off with... Uh, over a million fans uh, and a great number in the demo tuned in. And it was a great show. And I think it's been a run of great shows. AW Spotlights this week. We're going to start off strong with the fi finally, it is official. Kota Ibushi is going to be part of Blood and Guts. He joined the elite side, the, uh, the Golden Lover side, the Golden Elite side, whatever you want to call it. We now have Kota Ibushi officially joining uh joining blood and guts and being a part of aew at least to some degree finally also we had the return last night of pack um on the other side of blood and guts so two big returns last night on aew dynamite um obviously it was cool to see pack um because he's a guy who's been really important to the company really since day one but he's just like used so kind of sporadically you you, you forget he's even a part of the company then he pops up and you're like oh damn yeah like he's He's had like feuds with Kenny Omega. He's beaten Kenny Omega. Like, you know, so it's good to see Pac back in the mix. But we'll start off kind of more importantly because we've been waiting a long time. We went we went four years basically for AEW to bring in Koto Ibushi. And um, there was a lot of speculation. It would have felt almost like false advertising at this point if it was anything but Ibushi last night for the elite side. Um, FP3, you are obviously um heavily, heavily into New Japan professional wrestling, and obviously you cover everything. Um, what are your thoughts on Ibushi finally officially being announced for Blood and Guts? Yeah, for a lot of like the fans that don't know Kota Ibushi, I know they're probably like sitting back and saying, oh, you know, another great wrestler. Oh, big deal. But it's about the stories. Like everybody has been talking about that. That's been a common theme throughout wrestling, whether it's WWE or your local independent. You want those stories. That's the thing that gets the fans invested. And to open up a whole other door of story for Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi had to be the pick for the elite side. Like that was like the no brainer. I thought a lot of the question marks was about who the Blackpool combat club was going to pick. And I was kind of referencing history and looking at the players that were available to us. I was saying Don Callis, 
I was like, put Callis in there oh, wow. because we've had JJ Dillon in the past. We've had uh, Paul Ellering in the past. Put Don Callis in there. Have him be the one that takes the loss, and you get the you know uh, Blackpool Combat Club can be protected. You get Kenny Omega getting his hands on Don Callis, but I know they want to save that. That's kind of the story after hmm. this whole blow off for the BCC and the elite. So I thought Pack was a genius. Uh, kind of like plan a this seems like the, the the plan all along like we had the reports that cm punk kind of pitched himself but mm-hmm. pack is one that kind of just makes a whole world of sense because he has so much history with the elite side like kenny omega and pack the iron man match the 30 minute iron man match it's still in my top five top 10 dynamite matches of all time and their feud, their trilogy was kind of a, a big part of both men's stories in AEW back in 2019 to 2020. And you have him and the Young Bucks. He's gone after the tag team titles when they were champions. The tri- Of course, you got the, the, the best of seven series for the trios championships. And Hangman Adam Page, he had a rivalry with him in 2019 where they had a trilogy of matches. So he just had so much history. And Pac versus Kota Ibushi is a match I've wanted to see since Pac became free from WWE. So I'm very excited for this. Like, what do you think is kind of like the bar for Blood? and guts next week and do you think that it can top what we got because i felt like last year topped the first one it feels like with the players at play with the rivalry that we've had so far we have what could top last year as well i think so i mean i think that's what the expectation is honestly i mean especially when you bring in abushi for like all this after all this time like you know it just feels like and it isn't this obviously isn't all about abushi i mean the the, the storyline between the combat club and the elite has been great and there's like a lot of layers to that obviously um one thing i want to touch on also real quick you bring it up don callis to possibly join i think i think that's a it's a good idea but like i'm glad it didn't happen because it looked like it looks like Don hurt himself just doing like a kick last night. He like, you know what I mean? He was like, he was like hobbling. I couldn't tell if that was, if he was selling, if that was like, he was like, he's so like, he's like such a coward that like one kick, like puts him out of commission like that. But it looks like me that, that he like actually really hurt himself. Like just doing like that one little kick spot. Um, So I don't know. I'm sure that was just a freak thing or he was just selling. I don't know. I really don't know. But um, as far as that, the bar for the, blood and guts match though yeah i I, i'm hoping it's gonna be the best blood and guts match that they've ever done i mean they've all they've all been good up to this point the only thing i don't like about the match and this is the same thing with war games and this is just a nitpick is i wish it was either like elimination style or or something like that i don't i don't like how in those kind of like war game matches and stuff you have to have like everyone everyone kind of fights almost for no what it is for no reason and it makes sense in like kayfabe or whatever because you're you're beating the, sh- the the hell out of like everybody. Like it's 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 a blood feud. Like literally. Like you're like you you want you want the time to be in the cage without any rules and like get your hands on these people. I get that, but there's also like something to be said. I feel like about having like a like an advantage depending on you know the order that people come in and stuff like. I don't know. I said there's a lot more that can be done with like an elimination style and something like this. But that's just that's just me personally. It's just like a personal preference. But outside of that, because it's, it's one of those things, right, where it's like they fight each other, they fight each other, they fight, they're fighting for like a half hour or whatever. Then the match like officially starts. And then all it takes is like one person to get pinned and the whole thing is over. To me, just that 
that's just a little weird to me. Like, but but that but that's how it's been forever with like war games and stuff. Like this isn't new. It's just this is how I feel about it. I don't know if you agree with yeah. me or anything. Or... No, no, I, I get that. You know, for some people, it's a flawed concept, but I think that's the trick. It's kind of like what we saw earlier this year with AEW Revolution with MJF and Brian Danielson, and all the questions going into that matchup was, oh my God, can they make a 60 minute Ironman match that people know, the fans know going in is 60 minutes? Can they make it entertaining? And what did they do? They went and had the best Ironman match that most of us have ever seen. So I think that right. I think that the key with the War Games matchup is making the stuff that happens before the tenth guy gets in there entertaining. That's the the whole key to this. And I think that the because of the rivalry that we've seen and the breakdown of you know the the players at play, I think that it can be entertaining. You can get those special moments of you know Kenny and Hangman working together and Kenny and Koto Ibushi having their moment where they're together in the ring because I, I feel like Koto Ibushi has to be the last one in there to kind of be the cleanup man and go wild at the end. So you have that moment with the golden lovers kind of, I think that's when, that's when the elite side is going to win war games or blood and gut, excuse me. I, don't, I still have to get used to the title. Uh, <laughs> but I do like with Blood and Guts that they have gone back to the original War Games uh, rules of mostly it's a surrender. You have to surrender for your team to lose. So right. that feels more like a war where you're beating them down so that when the fifth, when the tenth guy comes in, you don't have to do too much to get one of these guys to surrender. So I feel like the the psychology to that works a lot better, and that's why we've seen such an entertaining matchup with the first one with Inner Circle and Pinnacle. We saw such a great matchup, one of the best Dynamite matches of last year with Blood and Guts 2 with a, a Blackpool Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society. So I think that we're on a path where we have the guys that can deliver something that's even better than what we saw last year. And I also have to bring up the, the fact that Koto Bushi coming in also plays into the whole Kenny Omega Don Callis rivalry because Don keeps saying that Kenny betrayed him. And the only reason he's saying that is because Kenny rather wrestle with his friends, the Young Bucks, and reunite with with Hangman Adam Page than be the, the cleaner, be the best bout machine, be on his own, do only singles matches, and win championship gold, which is what Don Callis wants him to do. And that's why he feels betrayed, and that's what he did in the Steel Cage match, is just basically be like, okay, that's enough. So I love that him picking his friend again here, it plays into everything, and it's kind of like the grandfather he says one last friend to call on and he's calling on it for blood and guts and then it opens up a whole other door because could we get Koto Ibushi versus Kanosuke Takeshita mm -hmm. in AEW oh my god we get golden lovers in the tag team division like it opens up so many other stuff and I love the fact that coming out of blood and guts they're ending the elite versus Blackpool Combat Club, but they've already properly set up what people are going to do next. 
Kenny Omega has Don Callis and Kanosuke Takeshita. He also has the Golden the Golden Lovers reunion that everybody's going to want. He also has Will Ospreay uh, if they want to complete their trilogy. Like he has a lot of doors that can open up for him. Hangman Adam Page feels renewed as a singles competitor and a lot of people just want him to do singles he's kind of like at that kenny omega point of people just want him to do singles because he's a hot guy you get young bucks back into the tag team division you get uh john moxley dealing with the whole eddie kingston of course claudio castanoli has to deal with that as well so love how they set everything up for blood and guts next week and what's going further yeah i completely agree with all that as as such a big fan of new japan is there any way that you can um I gotta run just really quick to hit my AC? It's burning up in my damn apartment right now. Um, if you can let the chat kind of know um the importance of co- not not necessarily the whole lore of the Golden Lovers, but like how big of a deal it really is that Ibushi's finally coming over. Because for people who don't know, he's had he's had this this very his path has been very interesting because he stayed loyal. At least to, this is my understanding of it as more of someone who doesn't pay as close of attention to new Japan. Admittedly, my understanding is he basically stayed loyal to new Japan. Like when he had other options, because I know obviously he did the cruiserweight classic years ago, AEW opened and all this stuff, all these options. And he stayed loyal to new Japan. They gave him their, like their new world title. Um, and then, kind of ever since then things got rocky for whatever reason he he doesn't he hasn't really been a part of new japan in a while so he's kind of like stuck in almost this limbo but he's also this kind of guy who seems like he doesn't like being really locked down to so like it, it's 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 this weird it's this strange position where like i have no idea how how much he'll be in aew but he's like become such a legend that like anything we get in AEW is incredible because of his link with the elite and with Kenny Omega and everything. But it's also like, it, this might just be it. It might just be like blood and guts. We never see this guy again. I feel like, you know what I mean? If you could kind of explain like the importance of like Abushi actually making this trip and doing this AEW uh, run. Yeah. Koto Abushi was kind of like known in Japan as the freelancer and like uh, Probably maybe like a decade ago, a lot of people thought that he was going to be like a New Japan top guy. He was going to be IWGP heavyweight champion, but he only won the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in 2021. Only because he would never sign a contract with New Japan. He wouldn't sign a contract anywhere. He did most of his dates in DDT, but he liked popping up in other places. And that's what made you know him going to the Cruiserweight Classic and WWE such a surprise. And it's the Kota Ibushi Kenny Omega relationship. And you know, I'm not gonna go through the whole Golden Lovers lore, but they had a match where Kenny Omega was kind of a young guy going over to Japan and they just bonded from there, became a top tag team, went over to New Japan unsigned and won their IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion uh, Tag Team Championships. But Kenny Omega was always below Kota Ibushi. This less, leads to Kenny Omega turning heel, joining the Bullet Club, and then they, they, a whole will-they-won't-they they kind of romantic bromance however you want to describe it type story went on for the next couple of years eventually uh kenny omega chooses koto obushi over the bullet club the golden lovers reunite they had this great tag team run for 
about a year before Kenny Omega goes to AEW. And it's always been the question for the past four years, will Kota Obuchi come to AEW? And now it's finally here. So it's like four years of buildup and over a decade of story that is coming into AEW in the form of Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi has been known as one of the best wrestlers in the world for more than a decade, for probably 15 years or so, because he had he earned a name for himself being the freelancer, being this independent soul that kind of went wherever, having great matches with, with whoever, uh, you know, your El Genericos, your Sami Zayn's, those type of guys. He's been to Ring of Honor, made appearances over there. So, yeah, he's he's kind of this mystical. He's like a unicorn in professional wrestling where wherever you see him, it's special. He made an appearance in GCW earlier this year, had a great matchup with Joey Janela, had another great matchup with Speedball Mike Bailey at Bloodsport. And now he's here in AEW it's just it just feels great for longtime fans it feels great for new fans you're gonna see something with Kota Obushi. he's hard hard kicking whatever you had or thought you were gonna get with Shinsuke Nakamura in WWE for new fans who have become fans of AEW you are gonna get that with Kota Obushi. he kicks hard he hits hard and he's just got this it factor, that start, that charisma that not a lot of performers that you see from around the world really have. Yes, absolutely. And um, everyone in the chat, thank you for thank you for being part of the show today. Um, if y'all have any super chats, feel free to send them, and we'll make sure to put them on the screen. We'll answer your questions, um, read your statements, all that good stuff. Please hit the like button as well, the thumbs up here on here on the channel. Uh, we appreciate that. Subscribe to to Fightful. Um, as well, if you're not subscribed, we're really close to 100,000 subscribers here on the channel. So um, I know that's a really big deal. Um, and that's something that Sean's been like really, really looking forward to for a long time uh, here for this YouTube channel. So the quicker we get to 100,000, uh, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be really cool. So if you aren't subscribed for whatever reason, please hit the subscribe button. We appreciate it. It's totally free to do that. Um, so there's a chat here. Um, Louisville uh, says Yoshihiko needs to come to AEW now. That's a whole other topic. Um, I, w- I was going to bring that up later, but I'm going to finally see well, Yoshihiko live, Steven Jensen. Yes. We'll, we'll talk, we'll, we'll, we can talk about that towards the end of the show because it does tie in with uh, some of our, our indie spotlight. But yes, stick around. Um, so many neck bumps. Yes, very true. Yoshihiko it, uh, takes the craziest bumps of any wrestler I've ever seen. So if you're unfamiliar with Yoshihiko, please become familiar. Um, other AEW topic today other spotlight is going to watch, well, you know, before we do that really quickly, just like, like official prediction uh, for blood and guts, I'm going to go with the, uh, the goal in the lead to get the win in that one. I feel like you got, you got you after this, after, after all this. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go with the golden elite. I'm very interested to see what uh pack does after this, but yeah, I think this is going to be the TV match of the year or match of the year. Candidate is kind of my bar for this matchup, but yeah, I got the golden elite getting the win with probably Kenny Omega pinning Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, getting the the revenge, like, because Wheeler pinned Kenny in the uh, Anarchy in the Arena. So that was it, right? The Anarchy in the Arena? That was yeah. that one. I would, yeah, I would forget what all the, too. All these, all these crazy gimmick matches, man. Uh, but but such good stuff. AEW's killing it. Um, speaking of AEW killing it, last night we had the AEW debut of Nick Wayne. 
And also we had the graphic after the match um, on on social media, the Nick Wayne is all elite graphic. So it is official. Um, you know, Nick Wayne is a guy who he popped up on my radar, you know, a few years ago. And I've been covering him really since he was probably 15 or 16 years old, which is just wild because he's 18 now. Very similar trajectory in a lot of ways to Billy Starks, you know, like these just these just literal kids who became great wrestlers as teenagers um, and started training as kids. And um, it's uh, it's it's really cool to see because, you know, I know AEW's done a good job up to this point explaining who Nick Wayne is and who his dad is and all this stuff. But um, and especially because of like the people who he's trained and having like Darby involved with Nick's, you know, debut and all that stuff. And I think it's been smart how they've done this. Um, I think Nick Wayne is a, it's a, it's a, he's a long-term investment for AEW. This isn't something where like, I wasn't expecting him to come in and like beat Swerve and like just be, be this world beater right off the bat. I think he's going to be kind of slowly introduced to the audience and he's going to get over really quickly because he's really great in the ring and he's very relatable to a lot of people. And the thing with the thing with uh, you know his dad, Buddy Wayne. For those of you who may not know, his, his his dad passed away a few years ago, and he's his dad was like like a legend in his area, but like nationally, he was like an enhancement talent. You know, so like you may have seen Buddy Wayne like on like WWF television and stuff, in like you know enhancement matches and stuff like that. But he but he even more importantly. Like he had a hand in training a lot of people that have become really good. Um, and he also, I mean, he was a uh, Brian Alvarez's trainer as well. Um, you know, like in and you know, there's he's he has a lot of influence in on, on a lot of influential people in wrestling, I guess I can say. And um, and Buddy Wayne has his really really positive reputation, and everybody's always said nothing but like the best things about his son Nick. And and it's one of those things where I can say it firsthand. Nick isn't getting this opportunity because of like because of like he's friends with Darby or like because his dad was a wrestler or like Nick Wayne earned this because he's a fantastic professional wrestler. And I think, I think if AEW didn't sign him right away, because I know for a fact, and I won't go too inside, I won't pull the curtain back too much, but I know like, for instance, Billy Starks had a handful of offers before she decided to go with the offer. She went with AEW. And I'd imagine that is probably similar with Nick Wayne. You know, he, he was going to have options. And I think that this was, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's just really cool to see him on television. He's looking good And in the only knock that I think anyone could, 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 could give to him. And this is something that's completely out of, out of his control. There are going to be people out there that are going to be like, he looks small. He's kind of scrawny and that kind of stuff. Like that's going to happen because he's on national television now. And my answer to that is going to be like, he's 18. Like, you know what I mean? He's going to, he's going to fill out. So just, just, just watch him for how good he is in the ring. And, and I think that uh, everyone's going to really enjoy long-term because we're talking, you know, hand, years from now, he could be the face of, of professional wrestling, honestly. And my, I think, honestly, Billy Starks and Nick Wayne are going to be the two most, the biggest two wrestlers in the world within the next, I mean, probably the next 10 years. Like, they'll be like, like the biggest, probably two names like in wrestling. But they'll but they'll be well on their way within just a few years. Like they'll they'll shoot through the ranks so quickly. So um, anyway, SP three, how do you how did you feel about uh, Nick Wayne's debut last night? He's finally all elite. He lost the match to Swerve, but I thought he had a really good showing. 
Yeah, I thought it was a great match. I thought him and Swerve have a great chemistry with one another where they know where they're going to be in the ring. Everything really looks smooth, very flawless in the ring. And they hit that third gear and they really took it home in a big way with like the reverse uh, Poison Rana off the top rope. And then uh, Swerve reversing Nick Wayne's Huracan Rada into the powerbomb and always landing him on his neck. Then the house call where he just kicked him right in the air. Like, yeah, he, he they killed it on this matchup. I thought this was a great way to show off Nick Wayne. And for I, I heard a lot of people that were very adamant that Nick Wayne should win this matchup. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, with who he's versing. If it was anyone else he was facing, like if it was Chris Jericho and this wasn't and this wasn't now and this was December. 2022 before he did the action Andretti thing. Right. I think the action Andretti thing probably would have been a better intro for Nick Wayne. Yes, I will say that, but I won't say this is a bad way to introduce him because of who they're introducing him with Darby Allen. And remember how he was introduced, like the best for Nick Wayne thing could have been probably going to a draw with Swerve Strickland and that kind of showing that he's like right on par with Swerve Strickland right from the start of his career and taking it from there. But just being a little bit less better than Swerve Strickland, that's also a good bar to start at for your career. So I thought that was a great way to introduce him. That furthers what's kind of budding here between Swerve Strickland and Darby Allen. So I thought they need to go uh, continue with the vignettes. I think the vignettes have been a nice touch and that's added a lot to Nick Wayne and like introducing him, but continue it. It's only been two weeks that they've done it. Do it like a third week, do it like a fourth week, the weeks he's not on TV, do those things before we have the next match with him. I think that's going to do go a long way in getting him over with the fan. Yeah, I agree. And I have, I have a, uh, I have kind of almost like a, I don't like to fantasy book things. I really don't. Like, I think it's a giant waste of time to honestly, to like fantasy book and like get in your own head about it. Cause that's why I think a lot of like the problems that wrestling fans kind of like cultivate for themselves is like, because their own thoughts they can't get over. They're like, I had this really good idea and they didn't do it. And then like someone, like another fan, like says it's a bad idea. And they're like, you're an idiot. Like you, uh, you know what I mean? It like, becomes like this, like, and a lot of these fights amongst wrestling fans literally start because like, you have a good idea about something, but like it doesn't happen on the show. Um, and um, <clears throat> but my, my kind of where I'm at with what I'd love to see personally is if they kind of you know for like a, maybe a few months, Nick Wayne is like having a hard time maybe getting a win, or like maybe he's like he's doing okay, but like you know, he hasn't really like hit that next level yet. But like the fans understand who he is, they understand his story. And I would love if there was like a scenario that was possible. And this is, there, there are so many things that would have to work to where like this would happen, but <coughs> excuse me. I would love a, a story. If, uh, if like Nick gets to a point where he's kind of like, he's like, all right, like I've got a pretty good grasp on things, but like, I'm just, I just got it. Like something, something isn't working yet, but like, I got to figure this out. And then he's like backstage. Then like Jordan Oliver walks up. He's like, man, I got you. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you need some help. Like, like, you know what I mean? It's like Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne as a tag team on AEW. That would be so huge for both guys because like Jordan Oliver has been ready for a while. Like he needs the, he needs the exposure in my opinion on the mainstream. Like, I mean, he's, 
he's so damn good. And like he has, any he has so much potential still that's untapped. Like and Jordan Oliver's got the respect of all the wrestlers. Like everyone loves the guy. So it's like, and, and, and Nick, I think it would be so good for him to have Jordan, like as he's learning and, and, and growing up and stuff for like a few years to have them as a tag team on AEW, I think would be so huge for both guys. Um, so I just want to throw that out there too. Cause like, that's an ongoing thing on the indies right now on GCW more specifically is Nick Wayne is one half of the GCW tag team champions with Jordan Oliver. And Jordan has been saying in, in promos, Nick isn't leaving GCW for good until we aren't the tag team champions anymore anymore. So that means we just got to say the, the champions forever. Like as long as we're the champions forever, Nick never leaves. And I like, I like that because it's like, yeah, I feel because I don't there's I don't feel like there's gonna be any big like blow off or like or like feud between these guys. I think like eventually like they'll lose those titles and then they'll they'll hug or whatever and Nick will just be kind of on his way to to, to AEW. And uh and the good thing with AEW obviously is they have the relationships where a lot of these guys still have options to like work independent dates and stuff like that. So I don't feel like I don't think we're gonna like totally lose Nick Wayne. I don't think like Billy Starks is still taking indie dates and stuff. Like there's so, but my, my point really is, I feel like Nick doing this on his own on AEW TV is really, really cool, but I think it'd work even better and it'd work faster. I think if he was in a tag team with Jordan Oliver, because that also like, you can just have those guys like winning tag team matches without having Nick like beating guys one-on-one. -on -one if you don't want that to be the kind of the presentation of Nick just yet, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think that you have a good story there because, you know, like you said, Jordan Oliver has been ready for TV for a while. And people saw that when he was on MLW, you know, people like me over here on the Northeast, I've been seeing Jordan Oliver since he was like a skinny 18 year old. Since he looks like, so, since he looks like, uh, like, Nick like Wayne, Nick, just a Nick Wayne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Jordan, and I, Jordan has put on a lot of size in the last few years. He's, he's, he's put on muscle and then that's what and nick will do that too it just it's literally impossible until you hit a certain age i mean so <laughs> and i and i love i love what nick wayne and jordan oliver have done together because i think they've really become one of the best tag teams on the independent scene probably one of the best tag teams non-aew non-wwe in the world today like what they and what they've done with the gcw world tag team championships i have another prediction for those, and as far as what that yeah, story is going to, sure? but I'll stick yeah. to AEW here. And I think that we're what we're seeing with the vignettes and what we saw last night with Darby coming out and being there for Nick post match is eventual a Darby Allen and Nick Wing tag team actually. And I yeah. could see something like Nick, you know, losing maybe his first couple of matches, and then he doesn't start winning until he starts teaming up with Darby, and then he starts teaming up with Sting, where you can give. Sting Thing giving giving Nick Wayne the rub and then maybe even if you want to kind of go have Sting go out with a bang say the first big win Nick Wayne gets is as a trio with Sting and Darby Allen and they're the ones that dethrone the House of Black so I know we're going too much That's into cool the fantasy though. booking but like there's a lot of different doors that they can go down with 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 Nick Wayne and if and the fact that they're introducing him with such an integral character and you know performer on the roster that we see every week in Darby Allen. There's a lot of different ways they can go with this. Absolutely. Shytown Spurs with a super chat. Thank you very much. Shytown says, 
Swerve desperately needed a win here too. He's been pinned a ton recently. I completely agree with that. I, I think yeah. I think I think everyone does. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, why I was fine with Swerve uh, getting the win here because he yeah. he needed it. Like I thought he was gonna beat Orange Cassidy and then he did it. And then all the tag team losses and I don't. I think outside of Forbidden Doors Zero Hour, we haven't seen Mogul Embassy as a unit kind of win together like as far as on AEW television I know they're ROH six-man tag team champions and they're dominant over there I actually watch it but I don't think that you know on AEW television they have been presented as the dominant force that they can be but Swerve winning here and him interfering in the Darby Allen uh Orange Cassidy matchup I didn't see that coming actually I didn't see that coming I thought that Orange and uh Darby were going to be in the finals against MJF and Adam Cole, but they have more of a story going on with Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. And this kind of opens the door for them to finally do this Darby Allen Swerve Strickland rivalry and where Swerve's motives as a heel makes a whole bunch of sense. He lost to him in the blind eliminator. And now that's the third time he's lost to Darby Allen in AEW. He's never beaten Darby Allen in AEW. And this used to be a guy that he dominated outside of AEW. But now we have a motive and a reason for him to go after. Yes. Yes. Um, there was one other thing I was going to bring up about this before we moved on. Oh, yeah. that, that It was... um. I hope also that Swerve continues to use that finisher. I know I've seen him do it before, but the one he used last night against Nick Wayne, the like Pentagon driver looking finisher. Yeah. Um, because dude, like, listen, I love Swerve. I, I was a fan. I, I actually interviewed the dude back when he was kill shot Lucha Underground, like forever. Nice. Like I was, you know, I was, I'm a fan, right? Like I've, I've liked the guy for a long time. The one thing, because I, I'll keep it real. Like I gotta, I gotta keep it real when I have to. That double stomp. I would not, I wouldn't want to sell for that if I was a wrestler. I'm, I'm, I'm serious because, dude, you have to sit there si- sitting up looking at him on the top rope forever. And then he comes down and completely misses you every time. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, am, I, am I crazy? Every time he comes down, his feet don't hit anything. He just he just lands around your body. Like there's no there's I get that it's for the safety of like not actually <laughs> landing in someone's chest, but like he doesn't hit anything. He just he just hits the mat like if I, so. Someone just sits there and looks at you, sit, just sitting up like the Undertaker, and just watches you on the top rope, and then they come down really hard on the mat around you. And you're just kind of looking straight up, <laughs> like I, I, I'm just I'm just I gotta keep it real. Like I I I wouldn't do that as a finishing move. Like the guy is super talented. It's like uh. Um, it's like when I would watch Trey Miguel for all these years and like, he's having all these banger matches and his finisher was the Meteora. I'm like, that's like the lamest move in your move set. And it's your finisher. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, you're, you're I mean, I can't say you're wrong. <laughs> but I mean, I it's gotta be it. super noticeable to everybody. Like, there's no way I'm the only person sitting there watching that on TV and being like, he, he didn't hit anything. <laughs> Like and like and like I know and I know I know wrestling is scripted like, obviously right like I know it's about the safety but like you also got to make it look like you're doing moves to each other. Um, I do I do I do like the fact that Swerve has multiple ways to finish of a match. Of course, the Swerve Slump. He's got that. I I feel like he should finish more matches with the house call because he did, just the way he just kicks the guy's head off. That should be kind of like the one hit or quitter. If he's versing someone like kind of like 
below the Darby Allens, Orange Cassidy's of the world when he's versus like, uh, you know, a QT Marshall in the ring with kind of the lower card guys. Yeah, those yeah. that that should finish the matchup. One, two, three. Yeah, I agree. And listen, I, I agree with you as well to have like multiple ways to, to finish matches. I think it's really smart. I've talked about this a thousand times on podcasts like uh, like AJ Styles is like the prime example. Like you can hit yeah. you with a calf crusher, a Styles clash of phenomenal four. Oh, I was I was confused. I thought it was me, but apparently Steven Jensen's internet Wi-Fi is out, and now it's the SP3 show. It's True Hill Heat. True Hill Heat podcast. Uh yeah. Uh yeah, no, but it's I think that the JML, the JML driver is a great finisher, and and yeah, it, it is kind of like his go-to to kind of completely demolish a guy and the way he hit it on Nick Wayne, Nick Wayne sold the hell out of it. I don't know where Jensen is at right now. I'm going to try to fill in for time here. Welcome everyone. Remember drop the thumbs up on the video, hit the subscribe button. If you are new, we're trying to hit uh 100,000 subscribers on the Fightful wrestling YouTube channel. But, uh, is that Jensen messaging me? Just checking. Okay, yes, he is messaging me. But yes, <laughs> uh, my disclaimer prediction for today's AE Ramble later on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Time with me and Jimmy Macaram. He will have eight disclaimers, or I will lead him to eight disclaimers, however you want to put it. Uh, but yes, Jensen says that he he just needs a second. He's reconnecting the internet. I was very confused, ladies and gentlemen. I, I even muted myself. I was like, all right, if my internet's going out, I'll go out like a man. Just take it. But Swerve heard Jensen talking crap. That's what you get, Jensen. Shouldn't been talking crap about Swerve. We here to protect Swerve. Swerve, Swerve disconnected Steven Jensen. Said, I swerve, stop your internet. Take that. Take that. Did I hit that? Are you on screen now? That's what Swerve said. Thank you, Swerve. I didn't like how he how he uh, said all those things either, Swerve. Uh, we do have a Super Chat donation here. Jensen will pop it up on screen, but I'll read it for you guys right now. Uh, Louis V, who says... Hope this builds to Swerve taking Sting to the other side uh, would make him a legend. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I think that we are, it seems like we are building to like not a Darby and Swerve one-on-one -on -one match. I think that we're building to Mogul Embassy versus Sting, Darby, and Nick Wayne. Maybe, maybe down the line that we can get something like that. Um... Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Like Swerve Strickland and Gates of Agony versus Sting, Darby. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? 
The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And Nick Wayne, they can do Brian Cage and Swerve Strickland versus Sting and Darby. That maybe is the, like the pay-per-view matchup that we're building to as far as like maybe like an all-in, all-out type of thing. Maybe they do like one with the multi-man matchup, like a four-on-four. Sting and Darby can get a fourth guy and versus Mogul Embassy. And then you could do Keith Lee. Keith Lee is still there. They still haven't done Keith Lee versus Swerve Strickland, ladies and gentlemen. Despite us seeming like we were teasing towards that last week with them being teamed up in the blind eliminator, and maybe that will finally lead to the singles match that we still haven't got. Nope. We we see it seems like Swerve has already moved on to Sting and Darby. But yeah, I would love to see Swerve. Maybe Swerve can be the first person to pin Sting in AEW. I would love to see that. Uh but yes, keep those comments coming. Keep all super chat com- coming. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I could pop anything on screen. No, I can't pop anything on screen. Steven Jensen will be back with us here on the spotlight. But yes, Nick Wayne, very impressive in his debut. Overall, AEW Dynamite, I thought was a good show. I thought that they built to blood and guts very well. I thought the Kota Bushi introduction, though, I would say that it wasn't what i really wanted as far as like explain they if they if they were going to do it in video package form i would have loved something kind of like a bigger montage of his history with kenny omega and why kenny omega is doing this and why the blackpool combat club basically stopped their attack 
Kenny Owens. He was like, any last? It was like it was like it was like an eighties, eighties freaking uh, comedy, eighties comedy in the way that John Boxley was like, any final words to the people before we break your neck? And Kenny Omega was like, ha ha, we have a fifth member. Look at the screen, and that distracted them. The the lights go out. And you get the Koto Ibushi intro, and it was good with a little bit of highlights. And I'm excited for it because I'm a Koto Ibushi fan. I've known about the guy for a decade, but I don't know if the casual fans, I don't know if the casual fans are sitting up there and like, oh, okay, I thought I thought Forbidden Door was over. So I don't know how it is for everybody else. I do try to look at that, and it felt like felt weird. It felt off in the way that it was presented. And why did the elite, why did the elite just uh, stay in the back and almost watch Kenny Omega get his neck broken? Did they know Kenny Omega had a video to distract him? Did he, did they know the Blackpool Combat Club wouldn't break Kenny Omega's neck before the video played? All of these things, all of these questions is what goes on in my head. Uh, we do have Caden in the chat. Hello, Caden. Nice to see you. Hello, uh, Bru- Brutal Titties. Brutal Titties. Nice to see you. Hey to you. Uh, but yes, yeah, that felt a little bit off. I did love Pac coming back. Like I said, I thought the Pac being back was ingenious. That's someone that kind of fits in so well with the players at play, even with his history with like a John Moxley and I think did him and Konosuke Takeshita go at it? I don't think so. But uh yeah, he's had he's had interplay with a bunch of the guys outside of AEW as well over on his side, but nothing that's like, okay, why would he team up with his enemies? None of these guys have had brutal rivalries with them. All the guys that he's had more personal rivalries with are over on the golden elite side outside of Koto Obushi. But like I said, Koto Obushi and Pac being in the ring together. That's just the added bonus, ladies and gentlemen. And I hope we get a singles match. Okay. Tony Khan, we need to stop doing, stop holding back on these singles matches. We need to give some of these singles matches, at least on pay-per-view. Don't, don't give them away for free. You do do that. But don't give them all away for free. Koto Bushi versus Pack is something I would pay for. And I think a lot of people would pay for that. So hopefully they hold back on that one and we can get that on pay-per-view. Uh, we do got... Uh, Shackdown Spurs <laughs> said it was all a part of Kenny Omega's anime plan. It did feel like an anime, yes. It felt like I was watching Dragon Ball Z. Like it was a Dragon Ball Z episode. And he's like, he's like, oh, you didn't know? We have a fifth member as well. <laughs> and then everybody just paused. Like he had the power. He had the power to stop everything. And everything would be better. And he wouldn't get his neck broken. But I just, yeah, that that that's the stuff that goes on in my head, ladies and gentlemen. Um, um, welcome to my world. I know it's weird out here, but I think that's all for AEW. I don't want to give too much away as far as like everything else with AEW. Uh, you you had the CM Punk who uh, pitched for himself to be a part of Blood and Guts. Uh, rumor or a report that was out there. We do have Steven Jensen in the chat with us, ladies and gentlemen. He says, hey, dude, my internet is almost back. You can switch to a uh, bloodline topic. So this is where they would usually do 
the, uh, the 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 graphic there. But as far as CM Punk wanting uh, pitching to be in the blood and guts, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised CM Punk want to get in there. And I also wouldn't wasn't surprised to hear that the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite was just like, nah, bro, nah. Neither team was like, nah, you want them? You want them? Do you want them? Do you want them? Do you want them? But not, not very surprising. But this is where they would do the graphic for WWE and we never finished the story. We got to finish the story here. But yes, moving on to the WWE spotlight here. We had last Friday on SmackDown, the Bloodline. You had the trial of Roman Reigns, the tribal court. You had the Usos involved, Solo Sokoa, Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns. You had uh, a Solo and Paul Heyman were out there. Then the Usos came out. Well, the Usos came out first. Big reaction from that Madison Square Garden crowd. I love the fact Madison Square Garden kind of took the cue from the London crowd at Money in the Bank and were singing the Usos theme song. I hope that's a thing now. I want to see more people singing the Usos theme song. That just brings an energy to their entrance that wasn't there before. I want that to, to continue. Not to the annoying point where we ruin promos by singing the Usos theme song, but I mean during the entrance. During the entrance specifically, I want to see more crowds singing the Usos theme song. So they came out celebrating their win over Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. Yet Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa come out. Roman Reigns comes out. They present Exhibit A, which is all the times Roman Reigns has kind of been verbally and physically abusive to his family, as well as his wise man, Paul Heyman, when he fired Paul Heyman and gave him a Superman punch was shown. All the abuse to the Usos since they lost to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at WrestleMania was shown. And then eventually we get a Roman Reigns who puts on a award-winning performance where he talks about, he was like, I don't want to be this way. That's not me. That's not me. He had denial that he went through acceptance. And he's like, okay, I don't even want this. I don't want the money. I did the bloodline for you guys. I was already main-inventing WrestleMania before I was with the bloodline. And then he uh, gives, he takes off his lay, saying that he doesn't want the crown of the tribal chief. He tries to hand it over to Jay. He actually puts it on Jay. This man is in tears. He takes off his title. He gets on his knees. He's like... I would give it all up because he wants his family. Or so you thought. I didn't think so. I knew it was coming. Low blow to Jey Uso. We get a big beat down, a big brawl. Highlights being Solo Sokoa picking up the lay, bring it, bring, uh, picking up the ceremonial necklace and looking like he wants the crown of the tribal chief. And I love the crowds in London and New York City. They seem to are, are getting behind Solo Sokoa. And that's the goal of all of this. The goal of all of this is to elevate everyone involved. Roman Reigns feels like he's in the lore of a John Cena, a Rock, a Stone Cold Steve Austin, a Hulk Hogan. But Jay Uso is now a viable option to be a main event babyface. Jimmy Uso is a lot more interesting as a character, and we know the difference between the twin. That's an accomplishment within itself in this storyline. But the Solo Sokoa elevation might go down as one of the greatest NXT call-ups of all time. And I, we, I love that it's a slow burn that we're seeing right now, where even the fans are getting behind. 
behind him and wanting him to kind of beat up Roman Reigns or, uh, you know, disobey Roman Reigns or take the necklace and put it on. Roman's telling them to give it to him. Jay Uso breaks it up. They make Jay Uso watch them beat down Jimmy Uso. He eventually gets thrown over the announce table and then Solo gives Jimmy Uso a splash through the table. That stretches him out. He goes to a hospital. Jay Uso comes back. He beats down Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns runs off, hits him with steel chairs shots and that trial of Roman Reigns was just some unbelievable professional wrestling television you had all the characters kind of really established even if you're someone that's just watching the show you know every character you kind of know their motives or where their mind is at or what choice they have to make in this situation in just one segment they were able to accomplish that it was 35 minutes, so if you don't like the melodrama, you don't like the theater, you don't like the acting of Roman Reigns, you're going to be like, well, that was very long. Um, <laughs> that was very long. It was very, it, it was very long. It was 35 minutes of television. But if you're someone who cares about stories and characters, I think that this was an unbelievable segment that got a unbelievable ratings or nearly it was 3 million viewers 3 million viewers that watch this trial of roman reigns like we have to start seriously having this conversation i started having this conversation over on the true hill heat channel back after the royal rumble but i'm gonna have this conversation everywhere i'm at we need to have the conversation is the Bloodline storyline the greatest storyline in WWE history? And we also need to have the conversation where it stands in wrestling history because it might have no debate after this year that it's the most successful storyline in wrestling history because of the money, because of the box office for the premium live events, the TV ratings, merchandise on every single metric as far as success in professional wrestling. It's about the money you can draw, the eyes you can draw. It is the most successful. So we need to have the conversation. Is it the greatest? Is it the best in WWE wrestling history? Yes. Thank you for holding it down, SP3. Um, can you see and hear me okay right now? Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. I'm, I may I may be jumping on and off just some, a little bit. I'm actually all going off my personal hotspot right now. Something happened where like my my power went out like like real quick, just like a flash went out, and my internet uh, router is just taking forever to connect to Wi-Fi right now. So I'm I'm sorry that that happened, y'all. Um, but um, yeah. I, thank you for talking about the bloodline. I, I you got it totally covered. I was watching. Uh, and, and and by the way, great job on the WWE bumper. Uh, before you started. Uh, the, <laughs> finish the, the story thing. That was that was fantastic. Um, so I'm gonna jump in on the next WWE spotlight. And by the way, I'm gonna say this too, just to to follow up with what you were saying about the bloodline. Um, <clears throat> I I I I under I I think it's probably it's the best WWE storyline in a really long time. Maybe the best ever. Um, I don't know if like this tops like like, huh. like it really there there as far as like the the level of success that it got, I think that there's really only one serious argument against it, and that's Austin and McMahon. Austin and McMahon, yeah. it will probably go down as drawing more money than Austin and McMahon, but you have to understand inflation and what Austin and McMahon as far as importance and impact 
meant. I think that's the only serious one. I think everybody else, you mean you would be going off of your, like your preference for right. nostalgia and old school. Say if you're older and you say Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, which was great, drew a big number for WrestleMania. But as far as metrics, like Austin McMahon and Bloodline blows them out the water. And as far as as far as like the quality and the performance, I think the Bloodline would blow that out the water. And I think Austin and McMahon did as well. So. Yeah, yeah, I think the only serious one is Austin and McMahon to me. I'm sorry yeah. to, to interrupt. No, no, I think that's a fair point. And I think like in wrestling history, for me, like really the only one that I think maybe like like the NWO storyline, but like but that got like kind of ruined yeah. at, at a certain point too. Like the thing with the bloodline story is we might still only be like halfway through this thing because there's still gonna be like there's probably a Roman Reigns babyface run as a part of this eventually. They're the, the all of them reuniting. Um like, I mean there's like there's still a lot that they can do with this um, for the next few years if they wanted to. So they're um, basically on the elite trajectory where right. we went through all of this. We just went through, they told this story of four years in AEW of them being together, breaking up, uh, be, feuding with each other, then coming back together. They both have been on, well, except for Hangman, been both on the babyface heel side as well. So yeah, the bloodline is on that trajectory. Yes. Now, thank you everyone who's uh, joining the show uh, right now. Normally, we start at uh, 9.30 Eastern time, so we were an hour early today. Thanks for everyone who joined early. Um, we had about another half hour for y'all live, and then an interview coming up with PCP Crazy F and Manny here at around uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, and it was funny because, you know, I was just before my internet and everything went out, I, um, <clears throat> I was talking about how guys like AJ Styles with all their different moves and, and all that stuff. And I, we were talking about Swerve. I saw some people in the chat like, oh, Swerve got Jensen. Jensen talk, talk trash. And it's like, yep. That's, I, I, I so, did a whole promo. You got to go oh, back you? and watch I it. Gotta I, check that out. I was like, for Swerve. Swerve was like, he hit the Swerve stop on your internet. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Now, had that happened right after what I'm about to say, I'd, I'd understand it even more. So my AW spotlight, my AW spotlight, WWE spotlight this week. It's just tough to do because I didn't get the bumper. I'm not going to hit it now. You did too good of a job. Um, all right. So big, sexy Kevin Nash has been out there and he's been saying stuff about LA night and he's been saying a lot of stuff. That sounds really familiar to me because it's all the same exact stuff that I've been saying and people are getting really upset with me and people are getting really upset with Kevin Nash. And I just want to come on here and say really quickly that I stand with big, sexy Kevin Nash that I agree with everything this man is saying. And that I'm so happy that there's someone out there. Like he's, he, like, he's almost like kind of taking strays for me at this point. Cause it's like, he's obviously way bigger than I am. Like, like not like literally and figuratively. I, the, the wrestling space is like attacking Kevin Nash over his thoughts. Way less people attack me over it, but like, nonetheless, it's the same. It's the same comments that I'm seeing. It's the same as that comments. And, um, but basically for those of you who don't know, who don't know, Kevin Nash has been essentially talking about the same things I've been saying about LA Knight. Listen, I I get the well. I'll say what he's been saying. He's basically been saying that he he's a he's a rock ripoff. He's an Austin ripoff. Um, he's uh, he doesn't get the hype and why why he's so over and why the fans have gotten so behind him and everything. And that's like kind of a Cliff Notes version of it. Now, and Kevin Nash multiple times now has gone back and, and said these things. Now he also addressed his enemies, which I really respected. Um, he addressed like the fans that have been coming at him too. And he said, probably my favorite quote in, uh, in wrestling history 
Um, he said basically, uh, you know, all you fans that, that think you matter, you don't. And I popped so hard for that. He said he said that that veterans like himself are holding down guys like LA Knight just just as much as y'all are sitting at home on your living rooms getting him pushed. So I um I think Kevin Nash is the man. I just wanted to throw that out there on today's show that like it's good. It's good because like I felt like I was going crazy week after week saying the stuff I was saying. And everyone, everyone else, Jeremy included, everyone in the chat, everybody, people were hitting me up on Twitter, just everywhere, YouTube comments and everything. And being like, Steven, you're crazy. Steven, you're biased. This is all about because you don't want it to be him. You want it to be Cody. All these reasons. And part of them are valid. But then they get reinforced when someone like Kevin Nash comes out there and he says exactly what I've been saying. And I'm like, you know what? Listen, Kevin Nash doesn't watch the show weekly. Either do I. So we're kind of on a level playing field in a lot of ways when it comes to that. Um, I watched LA Knight wrestle recently. Um I'd seen his pitch black match, which was the worst match I've seen in a, maybe ever. I match was terrible. Um, but that's also not all on him. I'm not ignorant to yeah. that. Like I know Bray Wyatt ruins a lot of people with the stuff he does. And, and uh, there were those two things and the gimmick was goofy. I get all that. But this dude's been wrestling for the better part of two decades. He's been an impact. He's been an NWA. He's been multiple since the WWE system and where he's at now. And all anyone can ever say when you ask to bring up some matches to watch is, well, you had some good matches with Cameron Grimes and NXT. It's like, okay, like that's a couple matches you can reference on the developmental brand for WWE, like a couple matches in 20 years. <laughs> like, and, but, but anyway, all, all that said, I watched uh, some clips of his match from like, not, he wasn't on SmackDown this week, so I couldn't watch him there. But like, I think it was probably the SmackDown before that. I didn't realize Jeremy, Jeremy Cheese. I didn't realize SP3. I'm used to saying that. Like, that's used to saying that line. Is listen, listen, SP3. I didn't realize this was the case. During that match, he does he did something where he like put his opponent down, and his his feet are at the shoulders of his opponent. So his opponent's looking straight up at like his crotch, right? And he's he's he is standing above him. And instead of going, he goes. and then does it people's elbow and then and and then his finisher it looks exactly like a stunner except for like the way he like actually puts him down to the mat like he does like the kick to the gut and then like turns around i'm like i'm like this dude like there there is there is taking inspiration and then there's like and none of it's entertaining to me that's the problem like i don't like his promise people people dude there were people saying that he was cooking Logan Paul in the microphone leading up to Money in the Bank. His his promos were literally, Logan Paul, you have a lot of followers on social media. You're way more famous than all of us here. But today, you're in L.A. Knight's ring. Everybody's saying L.A. Knight. Yeah. That's not cooking anyone. That's saying nothing enthusiastically. That's all he does. No, He's saying man, nothing. He, cooked her, he cooked her with the line where he said that uh, Logan Paul, who's famous for uh, for making a bunch of videos for a bunch of fourteen year olds, that that yeah. was the line that that, that got that that pop people. Okay, that yeah, that's 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 a good. That's a you really you cooked him, dude. Get what show do you think you're on when you're saying this? By the way, this is a a, a, a PG rated show for kids. WWE, like you, you know, universe Logan Paul for having a kid audience when like you have a kid audience, like 
And then, by the way, way less, way less of an audience. Um, <laughs> way, le- way less yeah. than Logan Paul. That's really, yeah, that's this, sure. is, this is so I, I, goofy to me. I like Logan Paul because I can like promo guys. I like, I like some guys because they do great promos. They're great characters. And I like some guys because they're great wrestlers. What I call e- uh, Eli Drake, LA, LA Knight, uh, a great wrestler? No. He's a solid wrestler. He's a solid and, but he has the promo of a main eventer, in my opinion. I think that his delivery is very strong. He has some good one-liners, some really good wit. He has the that charisma, that kind of star power that you're looking for. So I understand why the fans have got behind him. But as far as like in history of like the times that we can compare this to when fans got behind someone. Yeah. This is much more Zack Ryder than Brian Danielson. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes, that's very accurate. Like that's like people are comparing people are comparing this guy to Stone Cold and The Rock, but it's only because he has similar similarities in certain ways to them. But y'all listen, I get the, like the perspective is just going to be different in a lot of people. Like, listen, I'm 35 years old. Like there, I, 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 I was a kid growing up and actually, and seeing and hearing the pops that Austin and the rock were getting in the nineties. It was a completely different thing that like, listen, LA night is over in comparison to like this kind of status quo of superstars you see on WWE. And that's part of what I think is get, doing him so well is that, outside of a few people on WWE television, every, everything is very like, it's more or less, it's very basic. Like it's, it's a lot of like low hanging fruit, things that are very easy to understand. It's, it's like, it's a kid's show, which is like, it's totally fine. I'm not, I'm not bashing it by saying these things, but it's just, it's like, if anyone does anything like a little out of the ordinary, they're like, Oh my God, this is the next guy. This guy's incredible. But one thing I can't deny is like, he does, he gets a pop. Like he does when his music hits, the, the people get loud in that money in the bank match. I'll give him his credit. Like I watched that match with my brother. My brother had never seen LA night before. And my, my brother was like, yo, who's this guy? Like they're, they love this dude. Like, cause like he's climbing the ladder and like, they're like, they want him to win, you know? And it's like, so there's like, there are, I, I as much as I don't understand it, I see that it's happening. Um, yeah. I just don't, I just think there's not enough substance there to where like eventually people are going to like start seeing what I'm seeing, what Kevin Nash is seeing. And I don't know, but, but here's the thing. He's, I want, more, of, he's more of like an old is new again type of type. Exactly. Of he, he's, 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 well, here's the thing. He's brand new to the new, to the kid audience. Cause they didn't grow up with Austin and the rock, but he's like a nostalgia act almost to, the older audience, but it, but it's working. Like, see, that's the difference is like, I see it and I'm like, this seems lame to me. I think most people that are in my position see it. And they're like, I miss having guys like this around, you know? And it's like, and I, and I understand that, but I also hear Kevin Nash talk about it. And I'm like, thank Like, that's, that's what I've been saying. Like this is, and, and you can't sit here and tell me Kevin Nash doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen, he might, to some degree, like he's probably disconnected from the product in a lot of ways. He came from a different era. He was never a great in-ring wrestler either. But you can't tell me that Kevin Nash wasn't incredibly over and incredibly important and incredibly influential and has incredible. Listen, I don't think he's sitting there calling Triple H and being like, 
this LA guy, LA Knight guy, like, are you all serious going to push it? Like, I don't think he's, there's anything like that happening at all. But I also think, like, what Kevin Ash says, like, does hold weight in the wrestling community still, obviously, because people got so upset with what he was saying. So, um, anyway, it's, it, it, it just is what it is. Like, I, I don't know. I guess, really, honestly, at the end of the day, to be full, full, full transparency, if you were to go out there and win like the U.S. title or something like that, like that, like that's totally fine to me. Like push him to a degree, in my opinion, but you can't listen to he 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 can't beat Roman. It, that's got to be Cody. I'm sorry, like it, it, it can't be anyone but Cody at this point, unless it's Jay. Unless they're gonna pull the trigger on Jay Uso. Jay Uso is the only other person in the world that it makes sense to beat Roman Reigns at this point. Yeah, you know. So if it's going to be Jay, I understand that. I don't like it because it boxes Cody out. But like, <laughs> I, like all these people seem to be like, you know, push LA Knight instead of Cody. That's some of the discourse that I see. And that's the kind of stuff that really starts to bother me. I think that's the main reason. Like I'm a bit, I, I, like I said, I've been watching Eli Drake since he was in TNA. And I thought Dummy. That, dumber. Dummy, yeah, dummy, yeah. Like we, me and my friends used to love Eli Drake like ten years ago when he first was starting off and, and getting over in TNA. We saw him in NWA where he just felt like him, the Eddie Kingston, the Ricky Starks, Thunder Roses of the world, just felt light years ahead. Nick Aldis felt light years ahead of everybody else on that show and made that show uh, P- NWA power must watch in the first couple of weeks because of they they had those guys so yeah like i have seen him throughout his entire maturation process before he came to wwe and i've loved the fact that he's gotten over with the fans but i did not i did not actually want him to win money in the bank because um, my biggest question was and then what yes wwe has given us Great things in the past because the fans kind of willed it to happening. Brian Danielson got his moment at WrestleMania 30. And then what? I mean, it was out of their hands. It was out of Brian Danielson's hands, but he got an injury. They had to, uh, you know, crown an, uh, a vacant champion after that. And eventually it got to Brock Lesnar like it was supposed to, but it didn't work out the way that we thought it would afterwards. He gave us Kofi Kingston defeating Brian Danielson at WrestleMania 35. And then what? Now that was 100% on creative. They treated him like a, like a mid-carder for most of his reign. He never headlined or closed out any premium live events during his reign. And then he lost in eight seconds to Brock Lesnar on the premiere, on the Fox premiere of SmackDown. I, the, the, and then what scared me too much and I want too much success for LA Knight that I was like, nah, he can't win money in the bank. I need someone that they can actually have ideas for. So I was like either Logan Paul, but I was like more likely Damian Priest because they have this whole story with Judgment Day. It just makes sense for him to win. So yeah, I, LA Knight going for the U.S. championship makes a lot of sense. Austin Theory, we got to start. We got to start having that conversation, Jensen about Austin Theory being one of the biggest failures of Triple H's regime because he was he was getting over as the annoying mid-card favorite at, of Vince McMahon despite how people felt about him and putting him in money in the bank. He did what he did, and he was actually getting over because he was kind of the annoying chicken shit heel, but 
I don't see that anymore. He's gotten less over because of that Cena promo. That Cena promo he has never recovered from. Here we are three months later. That's all fair. That's all fair. So Triple H got some decisions to make. Are you going to continue to push LA Knight? Are you going to continue to push guys like Austin Theory? I think Frantic World makes a good point. He says if The Rock made the same comments about um, Eli Drake that Kevin Nash does, people would take it agree, like they'd take it differently. They'd agree with him. I agree. I agree. But here's the thing: I think that those guys are kind of putting him over. Like The Rock and Austin seem to be like in the Cena. They're they've been like tweeting and Instagramming about him and stuff. And like, listen, it it is what it is. I just want to throw that out there on the show today. That like, thank you, Kevin Nash. If you ever see this, I appreciate you. Thank you for like making me feel like I'm not completely insane. Um, You're a member of the Wolf Pack. Well, that's why I wore this today. So, for life. All right. So, let's move on to. Uh, we got about 15 minutes. We got to go kind of fast through the rest of these topics here. Uh, we got to run that interview at 10 with PCB Crazy F and Manny. Um, so, our next topic is going to be. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Alex Kane is your new MLW World Heavyweight Champion. He defeated Alex Hammerstone at MLW Never Say Never. And um, Hammerstone had been the champion, I want to say, for like 650 plus days. Like, he'd been the champion for a long time. MLW does a really great job of that, by the way. Um, Jacob Pachu had a real nice long run before Hammerstone beat him for the title. They, they do hot potato some of their titles quite often, but their World Heavyweight Championship, they've done a really good job, in my opinion, of like, the prestige and like the, the credibility and the long title runs with those and making it really seem like a big deal when someone new wins that championship. Um, Alex Kane's a guy that I've been following for quite a while. Um, he started blowing up in the Southeast scene out of like action wrestling and stuff uh, years back. And uh, I got, I've gotten to see him live at you know, battle slam and a bunch of places in the Southeast. Uh, he's a guy who I'm, I'm really, it's really cool to see the, the boom, fight club and like the whole idea of that working so well on AEW getting guys like O'Shea Edwards, who I'm a big fan of involved with that as well. Like, so they're the whole boom is for the people. Like it, it, it's, it's working. And Alex Kane is a great in-ring wrestler. He's very credible. He's very credible. And he's a guy who like, it made sense. Like there wasn't going to be, in my opinion, a better person to come around anytime soon. That would make the most sense to have beat Hammerstone for that championship. So I'm happy that major league wrestling pulled the trigger and they put that title on Alex Kane. Cause I think he deserves it. And I think Alex Hammerstone did a great job as champion. It's just like, he had the title for a long time. It was time for something else. And uh, Alex Kane is the right guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I was really wondering who they were going to go to next. But Alex Kane makes a bunch of sense because he's kind of been really carrying the banner for MOW through some tumultuous or semi-tumultuous times for the company. Because they had a bunch of guys that you could have looked at and said, okay, you know, you build this guy up to be the future, like Myron Reed and the run that he had with the with their light heavyweight championship, you would have thought that he could have been a guy that they built up to the heavyweight championship, and then he left. You had Jordan Oliver, he left. You had, uh, you know, EJ Induka, and he left. So I think that with the people that they had at their, uh, you know, disposal, 
Alex Kane has so much charisma. He really presents himself very well. He comes off uh, legit because of his background as well and in the ring. And it just made sense for him to be the one to have the honor to defeat and dethrone Hammerstone for the championship. I thought Hammerstone did a great job of holding the title. He had a big obstacle to overcome because he was filling the shoes of Jacob Fatu, who previously had the record for longest reigning MLW heavyweight champion and then uh alex hammerstone was able to i believe to defeat that record so they yeah you're very right with them protecting that championship those two guys tom lawler and i believe swerve strickland and low-key i think are the only people to win the mlw championship as far as court bauer kind of being in control these last couple of years so yeah they've done a great job of making it a prestigious championship that it has to be talked about when the title changes in this way yes and also real quick before we move on to the next one uh topic here is uh you know i've said this on a lot of platforms on this show on the the spawn uh the weekender and everything else like mlw like I've been saying, they've needed to do this for a long time where they finally are, their, their show was live, which was huge. You could watch Never Say Never live on Fight Plus. Um, they, it's been a struggle for all these years. Like where to watch the show, the show is airing six to eight months or whatever after it's like, there's no buzz for it because it happened so long ago. And and it was, I mean, it was just, it was kind of a mess for people to keep up with the product. And at the very least, they are airing, they're taping and then airing things way quicker now on like their weekly show for fusion and for like mlw underground and that kind of stuff it all seems to be airing way quicker than it's you know it was a couple months and then the the pay-per-view was live so like that's that's massive yeah that's, and and also this needs to be pointed out that that same time on the same night you had mlw underground aw collision gcw ran a show and uh ufc had their prelims for their pay-per-view, which included Robbie Lawler's retirement fight at the same time, like all this was happening. So like, in MLW, people were still tweeting about MLW, like people yeah. were paying attention to the show. So that's, and next time MLW has a pay-per-view, they won't have that level of competition. They'll probably be the only wrestling or combat sport thing that night, maybe one or two other things, kind of, you know, not, not, not like it was this, this past weekend. So like, um, so yeah, I want to throw that out there too. Um, our next spotlight for, uh, for the other topic um, this has to be kind of quick because we're supposed to run through this. Impact anniversary is this weekend. Um, it's a Saturday. I'll be on the post-show live with Joel Pearl right after, right here on this channel. So please check that out and join us. Um, Cresta normally joins us for those as well, but she'll be on the uh, collision post-show at the same time. So please check out um, myself and Joel for the Impact spot, uh, the Impact post-show right after Impact anniversary this Saturday night, uh, youtube.com slash Fightful. Um, just quick, just give me your, your winners for these matches. Um, so we got Joe Hendry, Kenny King, digital media title. I'm gonna go with Joe Hendry, uh, because I feel like the run has been going well, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kenny King won. I'm going to go Joe Hendry as well, because I, I, I think that, I think they, there's a lot they can do with him. I think long-term and impact, like they, yeah. they've done, you know, he's, he's over and he's doing, he's doing well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill that momentum at all, in my opinion. Um, we got Jody threatened the death dolls versus the Sean Taraj. Um, I'm going to go with the, the Sean Taraj personally in the six, six person tag team match. 
I think I'm going to go with Jody Threat and the Duff Dolls. I'm a huge fan of uh, Rosemary and uh, Jessica, and Jody Threat's been undefeated since getting signed to to Impact, so I think she's going to continue. We've got uh, Gresham versus Speedball versus Kevin Knight versus Angels versus Kushida X Division. Uh, no more contender X Division uh, Ultimate X match. Ooh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of interesting choices there. I'm going to go actually with Alan Angels because I, I like feel like one. they he has the whole story right now with the design. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm going to go wild card with Kevin Knight just because it's, we haven't seen him in that mix at all. And I'm I'm a fan of his. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see him in this spot. But I, I think any literally anyone you choose in that match is like, that's that's fine. Everyone's great. Um, we have Taylor Wilde and Kylan King against Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich. I'm going to go with Killer Kelly and Slamovich to win the knockouts tag titles. I'm going with Samovich and Killer Kelly as well. I love the story that they kind of put them together. It feels like very attitude era type of storyline of can they coexist? Yeah, Eddie Edwards and Frankie Kazarian. I'm gonna go Edwards just because it's. I mean, it's Eddie Edwards on pay per view. Like he's their guy. I just, I kind of just always figure, figure he's just gonna win. I'm gonna go with uh, Frankie Kazarian because Eddie Edwards won the last match. That's fair. Uh, we have ABC. Uh, Chris Bay and Ace Austin defending the Impact Tad titles against Brian Myers and Moose, Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan, and Subculture, the team of Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. Who do you think wins that one? Oh, this is a hard one. I want to go with ABC. ABC is like my favorite tag team in Impact Wrestling, one of my favorite tag teams in the world. But I honestly feel like they're going to go with Subculture here and they're going to officially sign with Impact. Yeah, I want to. I want to see Austin and Bay retain, but if they're going to lose the titles to anyone, I'd prefer it be Andrews and, and Flash. I, I like them as a tag team a lot. Yeah. Um, we got uh, Chris Saban versus Leo Rush, exhibition title on the line. Um, I'm going to go Chris Saban. I feel like he's going to retain here. I think it's going to be a great match, though. I, I think this is going to be a phenomenal matchup. I'm going to go different. I'm going to go with uh, Leo Rush. Okay. And that may tie into the main event, potentially. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Bully Ray and Diener against Scott Demore and uh, a to-be-announced uh, partner, uh, Darren McCarty, the the hockey player, is the enforcer. I was just going to honestly default to whatever the DMR team was based on kind of the story, like, to get, like, revenge here. But, like... I, I think know. I think it's going to probably be, like, Tommy Dreamer. I agree, somebody. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with Demore and uh, Dreamer to win. Yeah, we have Gianna Perrazzo uh, defending the knockouts title against Trinity. I'm going to say uh, Gianna retains here as well, but this is another match that's going to be uh, really solid. Might be one of the the, the the more unpredictable matches on this card because it can go either way. I'm going to go with Trinity, though. Yeah, and then the main event of the show, uh, what I'm assuming is the main event. Uh, Alex Shelley defending the Impact World Championship against Nick Aldis. My gut's telling me they're going to put the title on Aldis. I'd prefer if they stuck with Nick, with, uh, Nick, Shell- with Nick Shelley, with uh, Alex Shelley. Um, I, I really love the dynamic of the Motor City Machine Guns having the two main titles. Like, I think that's really cool. Um, but my prediction, I'm, I'm just going to go with my heart. I'm going to say with Alex Shelley, um, but I feel like they'll probably put it on Nick Aldis. What about you? Honestly, when I thought this was going to be Steve Macklin versus Nick Aldis at Slammiversary, I was going to say here, Nick Aldis versus Nick Aldis, new Impact World Champion. But 
the reason why I predicted Leo Rush to win the X Division Championship is I don't see both Motor City Machine Guns walking out with the title from Slammiversary. I do see Alex Shelley beating Nick Aldis for the Impact World Championship. So I think Roosh, I mean, uh, Leo Rush is going to win that title over there. So I, I think that Trinity and Deanna will probably main event. I feel like that feels, as far as name value and how they built it, that feels like the main event, even though a lot of the focus in the last couple of weeks has been on Shelley and Aldis. Yes. Also, uh, just really quickly, I will mention, because I know you, you brought this up in our in our chat, uh, Vikingo and Kenny Omega are going to be wrestling at, um, at AAA this upcoming weekend as well. So check that out if you want to see an absolute yes. banger over on AAA. Um, and let's wrap up the show. We got about five minutes to hit our indie spotlights. I'm going to give a big motherfucking shout out. This past weekend, we had some Really great matches um, over in GCW and JCW. Um, on the JCW side for Jersey Championship Wrestling, there was a match that I highly recommend everyone check out between Speedball Mike Bailey and Mao. Um, Mao is someone who, like, I've been watching for a little while, and you, I can just tell there's, like, massive, massive star potential there. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what his future looks like. And everyone knows Speedball Mike Bailey – in my opinion, he's the best in-ring wrestler in the world right now. If you want to, like, point to someone who has the most consistent, like, he has, like, the best match on the show almost always on, like, stacked shows. It doesn't matter who his opponents are. Like, speedball, you all, I always look forward to speedball matches. And the match with Mao I thought was fantastic. The only knock I can give it at all is Mao went for an ultimate weapon, like, kind of, like guess, for, like, salt in the wounds against speedball. He went for his own move against him. And kind of missed the move. And that's the only thing that I can say about it at all. And like any kind of negative light whatsoever. The rest of the match I thought was fantastic. Um, so go out of your way to watch that. Uh, it's Speedball Mike Bailey versus Mao. And that was from JCW's was like Big Ass Extreme Birthday Bash. Or something was, something was the name of the show. You can watch it for free over on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. Um, and then you had brought it up for um, our independent wrestling spotlight which ties in as well with JCW being the uh, the kind of sister promotion of GCW. We had Utami Hayashishita uh, debuting in GCW and had a match with, at least wrestled Billy Starks the first night and then Janice yes. the second night. Um, yes. So um, if you want to elaborate on that, because Utami obviously uh, big out of stardom and um, having kind of like a an unexpected because uh, she, from what I understand, people didn't really know she was going to be coming to the States until kind of last minute. She's kind of like a random U.S. run right now. Yeah, basically, she took like a random excursion, like out of nowhere. And I think a lot of like the stardom fans right now are predicting that it's because she's about to go on a big run because she has this whole big storyline where they had a 12 woman steel cage match between her group, Queen's Quest versus Oedo Tai, where uh, there was a lot of conflict and dissension in Queen's Quest, which uh, Utami is the leader of. And she was having disagreements with Saya Kamatani in matches. And uh, basically Saya helped her to get the win in the steel cage match because she proved herself in the way that she got all of her other teammates 
athletes out of the steel cage first because it was like last person in had to leave their group and she was like the real leader in that matchup and everybody was thinking oh, okay great she's going on a big run they got the five-star grand prix coming up she can win that and then go for the world of stardom championship but then out of nowhere she's like I'm leaving y'all to the group alone. And the group has gone, I think, 0-3 uh, since she left. And while she's gone 2-0 over this weekend, and I thought the matchup with Billy Starks was superb. They had a great crowd in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. And I thought Billy Starks who really showed up and showed a little bit more of aggressiveness and really was able to play the heel against Utami. I thought that was a, you know, a great way of showing her versatility at this point of her career, even being a 18. Janai Kai had a good match with her, but that's the expected to me because Janai Kai's had a couple of runs over in Japan, and I think she's more used to, to that style, but I was very impressed by Billy Stark's performance, and as far as uh, the Speedball Mike Billy and Mao match, also should mention uh, their former tag team partners in DDT as the right. Moonlight Express, yeah. and uh, that was, I think, uh, you know, I think the only reason that Mal's really in JCW and doing GCW shows is because of Speedball, and they were able to work with each other during WrestleMania weekend earlier this year as well. Yes, good call on that, and also that's where um, like Yoshihiko made a made an appearance uh, yeah. multiple times throughout the weekend, which we can't really elaborate on because we got to wrap the show up to get to the interview. But um, Yoshihiko, massive shout out. We talked a little Yoshihiko earlier on the show. Yoshihiko's coming to New York, ladies yes. and gentlemen, and tomorrow. Talk, yeah. yeah, you'll tomorrow. be there and plug all your stuff as well as we get out of here. Yes, tomorrow I'll be live at the GCW event at Melrose Ballroom. So if you're in the New York City area and you see me, I'm not going to bite. If you want to say hello, if you disagree with me on stuff, then you can save it to yourself. You could probably put it on social media. That'll save you a bunch of time. But if you want to say hello, you want to get a picture, I'm definitely down. Uh, yeah, Melrose Ballroom in Queens, New York tomorrow, G GCW. And you can follow me on the Twitter machine at TrueHillSP3. Follow the gang, True Hill Heat. That's T-R-U, no E, Heel Heat. The YouTube channel, I'll be live today at 1.05 p.m. Eastern time with AE Ramble with me and Jimmy McAram talking more by the beat by beat segment by segment for aew dynamite so check that out and check out all the other content that we got on the channel but thank you so much jensen for having me on the show thank you so much to everyone watching and remember drop that thumbs up hit the subscribe button and push it to a hundred thousand here on fight awesome appreciate that man uh thank you very much for joining the show today i always I always love having you on here and um we'll do it again sometime soon for sure um i'm, I'm gonna make sure because with my, my internet went out and everything, I got to make sure that this that this interview plays. Um, but what y'all are about to hear is an interview with myself, Jeremy Lambert, and PCP Crazy F and Manny. He's a deathmatch wrestling legend. He is a promoter and founder of uh, IWS, and they have a big show coming up this weekend. We talk about the show. We talk about his career. Talk about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens coming up through IWS. A lot of really great stuff from this interview. I think you're going to really enjoy. And um, please let me know if for any reason y'all cannot hear or see or anything for this video um that said i'm going to play it right now i'll be back right at the end of this to sign off after the interview and i uh, hope you enjoy this interview here with crazy f and manny creator spotlight here on fightful and part of the spotlight with jeremy as always and our guest today is a founder and promoter for iws he is a legend 
of Deathmatch Wrestling, a living legend. Uh, they have a big show coming up this week, IWS Scarred for Life 2023, coming up on the 15th. Our guest today is PCP Crazy and Manny. Welcome to the show, Manny. How you doing? What's up, guys? It's a pleasure to be here, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Thank I'm, you for I'm, joining I'm, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, we, we're really looking forward to this. And uh, I mean, there's so much I wanted to ask you about. I'm not even sure where to start because, I mean, you've, you've been around for so long as a wrestler and as a promoter. You've seen so much talent, you know, come and go over the years. And y'all are still going super strong with IWS. Um, I love the, the, the co-promotion with GCW earlier this year as well. I mean, just great stuff that y'all have been doing. Um, so yeah. first off, I, I, I mean, I'll just start kind of basic. Like, I mean, when did you actually, you got you, cause you started wrestling in the nineties. Right. So, I mean, like, That's right. so, I mean, what, what kind of wrestling were you a fan of, I guess, growing up, who are some of your favorite wrestlers? If you can go back that far and kind of give us some insight before you even got into wrestling. Sure. Like when I was a uh, man, when I was like six or um, maybe like, maybe like eight years old, I was, uh, uh, I used to go to, uh, it's pretty funny. I used to go, uh, my family's Greek, right? And on Saturdays, my parents used to send me to Greek school, which was like a, uh, uh, was like a class that would be given in the Greek community in an, at an elementary school and everything. And my uncle was the caretaker at this school. So during lunch break, I would go to my aunt and uncle's right at that time, caretakers, because schools used to be so, so big. They used to have a house next door where the caretaker of the school would live because there was so much work to be done and somebody had to watch the place 24 hours a day. So during my lunch break, I would go to my uncle's house and uh, I, my aunt would make me lunch. Typical, you know, old Greek family. She, she'd be there taking care of me and my cousins. And, and uh, my uncle would turn on the TV at noon and there was international wrestling. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, he turned on the TV and there was this match. There was a feud going on between Sheik Ali and Abdul the Butcher. And uh, Eddie Creechman had just turned on Abdullah the Butcher and brought out Sheik Ali to attack him. And they were promoting the event at the Paul Sylvia Arena. And I just looked at this and it was so wild and so crazy that, like, I, I fell in love with it. I literally, I really, really fell in love with it. And I went home that day, literally, like, between seven and nine years old. I'm not sure. And uh, I went home that day and I was telling my dad about it and how crazy it was. And he took me to this little mall across the street from where we live. And they had a video store because back then you had to go rent videos, you know, VHS. Sure. And we're, was, we're uh, just old enough, by the way. We're like, yeah. me and Jeremy, me and Jeremy <laughs> yeah. had Blockbusters yeah. growing up. But like, if yeah. you had someone just a couple years younger, they won't, they won't get yeah. it. So yeah, yeah. I, I had Blockbuster in my thirties. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, so I, I was like, uh, it was, uh, we went into this video store and they had a small section from Coliseum video and they had this, VHS tape that had just come out and it was WrestleMania one. And he rented it for me. We went home, we watched it together and I just, I fell in love with it. And I've been a fan ever since. And as I got, as I got older, uh, I'll never forget. I was watching a pay-per-view when I was about 20, 21 years old with a bunch of friends. And, uh, it was, it was a WWE pay-per-view. It was right at the beginning. It was right at the beginning of the attitude era, right when WWE was going out with WCW and the NWO existed and this and that. And I'd really fallen back into love with wrestling. And uh, we were watching this pay-per-view and I, I looked at my friend. I said, I'm going to do that one day. We were all high. We're smoking weed. We're young. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do that one day. And they're like, there's no way you're going to do that, man. There's not, I'm like, within a year, I will be a pro wrestler. And they're like, yeah, right, man, bullshit. And like these guys, are like they're, they're not wrestling. They're not real wrestling fans. They were just watching it for fun, you know, something to do for a Saturday night. And uh, I'll never forget. A week later, I watched Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Dean Malenko at the infamous Bash at the Beach 
where Hogan Hogan joined the NWO, and I watched that match, and I fell in love with it. And I heard about a company called ECW, and I started looking into it. And barely legal, the very first ECW pay per view was about about to air. So me and a good buddy of mine, Chris, we went and we found one of these old pool halls with those massive satellite dishes on top. And uh, we asked them, hey, can you show this? We'll buy food. We'll... And they said, sure. And we watched Very Legal. And, you know, two, three months later, I was like, I have to do this. I really have to do this. And at the time, I was uh, I was doing a lot. I was doing a lot. the same uncle, ironically. He would let us into the gymnasium of the high school, me and one of my buddies, and we'd practice on gym mats and we'd start wrestling and we'd practice we'd be fooling around on gym mats. And we were like, we're going to put on a show one day. We're really going to put on a show. And on my 23rd birthday, I was at this bar called Wally's Pub and this dude came up to me who was a mutual friend. He's like, I know this guy named Sexy Eddie who's just like you. And he says he wants to put on a show at Dawson College and he's here tonight. Do you want to meet him? So I walked up to Eddie and uh, I met him for the first time. And he's like, yeah, we want to do a show at Dawson College. We're going to rent a ring. We're going to we're going to get a company. They're going to come in and they're going to put on a show and they're going to let us wrestle for fun. They're going to train us a little bit. And uh, I'm like, I'm in. So me and Eddie became friends since that day. Uh, one month later, we had, I think it was Rumble in, the, Rumble, in the, Rumble in the Gym or something like that at Dawson College. They hired a small little wrestling company, NCW, to bring in a ring and uh, a bunch of wrestlers. They let the students have the Dawson Battle Royal. And uh, I walked to the ring. And on our way to the ring, we never even entered the ring for the Battle Royal. We just walked there. We had <laughs> hidden tables and garbage cans under the ring. And we just started to beat the living shit out of each other. And never entered the ring till the promoter from that fed made us go backstage. We're bleeding and everything. Wrestling got banned for Dawson for life. <laughs> and uh, honest to God, we were sitting in this bar called Wally's Pub, the same place where we met. And we're like, what are we going to do now? These guys say we're never going to wrestle and come back again. They refuse to train us. Dawson says we can never put on a show. What are we going to do? You know, and at the time, indie wrestling was like the church basement days. It was really like if you wanted to see an indie show, there was 40 people in a church basement. That's all there was. Everywhere it was the same thing. So me and Eddie are sitting in this bar and we're looking around and there's four cement pillars that are holding the ceiling up. And they're exactly 14 by 14 feet apart. And I look at Eddie and I'm like, imagine if we drilled holes into those pillars and put turnbuckles in and put up a set of ropes and put down a set of gym mats. And he's like, yeah, that would be pretty crazy. And we pitched it to the owner. And three weeks later, WWS, which became the IWS, was born. And our first show, we drew like 275 people. It was retarded. Nobody had ever seen that in indie wrestling <laughs> yeah. anywhere in Canada. And uh, that was it. And as the years went by, Wally's Pub closed. So we lost our makeshift ring. We started renting rings. The people we were renting rings from started getting jealous because we were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So we built our own ring. Actually, I give props to the Green Phantom on that one because, you know, we were, we were very, very young and we didn't have money. And the Green Phantom got his brother to co-sign a loan. We got $4,000. We paid a guy to weld the ring and build it for us. I had stolen schematics off the internet. I had taken pictures of the rings on highspots.com, given them yeah. to this guy. He built this ring. We built our first ring at like 25 years old. And uh, now I think we own four rings, 10,000 square foot gym, uh, fully equipped with West Side, uh, West, uh, West Side bodybuilding equipment and Atlantis equipment, uh, our own full production TV, like TV equipment. Like literally it's, in the last 20, it's going to be, it's going to be 25 years in March. It's evolved so much that, you know, here we are, you know, that is wild. So there's yeah. so much about that. So like, 
So, because this, what you're talking about, this had to have been what in like 97 or something. 98. Like, you're meeting these guys. Okay. So, yeah, 98. And I remember those days too when like high spots was like the only place where you could find like ring, like ring stuff. Yeah. And like, um, man. And, and so, like, I mean, just what's it like? Because the last time I saw you wrestle, your partners were Green Phantom and Sexy Eddie. Like, you've kept this relationship yeah. with these two guys this entire time, which is like pretty yeah. unheard of, like in wrestling, I feel yeah. like to be that close to these guys for this long. Uh, can you yeah. speak on that a little bit more of this? Like, well, yeah, I mean, it's like, it, well, the Green Phantom, I, it, the funny story with the Green Phantom is we grew up, we grew up in the same town with the same friends. So, the reason the Green Phantom became a wrestler, he tells this story so well, was because. When I started promoting these shows, I hadn't seen him in like two or three years because we we were friends. We hung out in the same town. We partied a lot, but I hadn't seen him in two or three years. And he says, like, he just randomly showed up at one of our shows. And when I saw him at the show, it was a Halloween show. And when I saw him at the show, he was like, listen, man, uh, I was listening to a radio show and they were talking about wrestling. And when I when I was a kid, I had, I had a reputation for doing all my name is PCP Manny, right? So I had a <laughs> reputation for doing a lot of drugs when I was a kid. So when he was like, I was listening to a wrestling radio show and there was a guy talking and he was going, my name is PCP Manny, IWS Wrestling, come check out this show, Wally's Pub, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I only know one Manny and he sounds like him, but there's no way that Manny can be a professional wrestler because he's just a party animal. But then who else would call himself PCP Manny? So he showed up at the show in a Halloween costume where he's wearing a mechanic suit and a lucha match, a lucha, a lucha mask. That was his costume, his Halloween costume. And he's so damn tall that everybody in the crowd thought he was part of the show. So I was like, so, uh, you know, we got this little place where a few of us train once a week. Uh, you want to become a pro wrestler? And he's like, sure. And he, Eddie, had, Eddie had started it with me already, and we all became friends. And it's like, like you said, it's been 25 years that we we've been all doing this together. And uh, you know, it's it's crazy. I mean, we've had our ups and downs. Obviously, you know, we're all dudes. There's a lot of testosterone in the air. There's times where we can't stand each other, but I mean, we're all true, real life friends. We're brothers. You know, we've done this for yeah. so so long that it's like it's part of who we are. Yeah, I was getting. So I was gonna idea. say first off to to have that long of a relationship, like you like you said, like there's ups and downs and everything, but through yeah. wrestling, that long of a relationship, and we'll get into another friendship that has gone for for 20 years yeah. now, because uh, we were talking off air, and you said you had some, some stories about these guys that, that we'll talk about, yeah. but I want to ask off of that, like, so was there any like formal training that you did, or it was just that that first so, one you just walked so to the ring and started throwing throwing just, garbage just, cans just made just made a ring out of four yeah. pillars you found and <laughs> so when we when we did the event at dawson college they there was this guy named andy ellison and you know a lot of people have a lot of bad stuff to say about him i i don't i've never heard anything bad about the guy he's just very carny you know he's an ex wwe jobber who who people know him because he's a really big dude and he'll rent a ring from a fed and he'll he'll pay that fed to come to a show and he does shows on some indian reserves or some special events and he was he came in to train us but we're like we wanted to do this so badly that we we kind of we kind of just lied we're like oh we've already trained before you know and like, i remember the first time he came in he started teaching he came in to train us and to teach us a few things and i took the first bump and i'd never taken a bump in my life and i just threw myself to the floor i nearly gave myself a concussion you know i was like wow and he kind of just looked at us and he's like well you're doing a battle royal he's like all you have to do know how to do is get thrown over the top rope you know, and I'm like, uh, okay, sure, sure. And then afterwards, there was a, 
when we started doing these shows at Wally's Pub, there was a few guys, because they became so big, guys were coming from local promotions and wrestling for us, because they're like, you know, we don't want to wrestle in front of uh, 30 people in a church basement and have to listen to these politics from these old guys that have been around forever who treat us like shit and don't pay us, because everybody would wrestle for free at the time, and we actually paid people. So they're like, we want to work, we want to wrestle in front of 300 people, we want to wrestle in front of our friends. So they came in and then they started also at the same time, they were like, hey, you know, like you guys are doing all the crazy stuff. You're hitting each other with chairs or going through tables. But, you know, like uh, you, you have a spot. Let's let's teach you. So there was a guy named TNT who, uh, you know, uh, you actually see him like uh, I, I believe he's in the he's in the Sami Zayn documentary when they, when they did the Sami Zayn documentary, when they were talking about the Bell Center and everything. Uh he was he that's a story later on this 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 is the this man is the reason why Sami Zayn got his shot as El Generico and allegedly El Generico uh sure. um, so he took us in and he started to teach us slowly but surely and you know as time went by like look you, you do something long enough you get good at it you know so it's kind of like it, and a lot a lot of us like we get we get the reputation because some of the stuff we do is so crazy we get the reputation of being like glorified backyarders or this, and that, which is ironic because I've never wrestled in a backyard in my life. So <laughs> I've never had one backyard match ever. I don't think any of my guys, like most of my guys haven't, but like, you know, we, you ask any major star that's been in the ring with us. We are the safest guys out there. It's just a look we are putting on. We're, we're doing our job properly. We're making it look like it's real, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, we, we learned with time, you know? And uh, as the years have gone by, we've just gotten so good at it. Now we we own the best school of the country now, you know. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, you know, you mentioned like ECW had a really big influence on you, and like you telling your buddies, like I got it, I just got to do this after seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this obviously is a big compliment. Now that I know this, especially of you, yeah. um, like when I watched that GCW versus IWS show from earlier this year you get like massive ECW crowd vibes, yeah, you know, you yeah. know what I mean? In that building. And like, yeah. I love the fan base that y'all, yeah. that y'all have cultivated. It's, it's, it's badass. So like, um, I wanted to ask you, cause you, you mentioned this. And I don't know if I heard this wrong. Was the first company, like when you said you first saw wrestling, like the first time you're telling like your family about it, was that company called international wrestling? You said it was international wrestling. And so then you, is that where international wrestling syndicate, like that name, uh, it, it's, it's, it's that, no, actually it's pretty funny. I, I never actually put those two together, but it's not working. So we're, <laughs> you guys are going to hear a story now, man. So we were, we were WWS, the world wrestling syndicate. And, uh, oh man, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of crazy stories cause I've been doing this for 25 years. So, so one day we're, we're sitting there and we're, we're planning our next event. And a friend of mine turns to me and he's like, um, do you, do you, I, I won't mention her name now because she's not in that anymore. And anybody's like, do you remember this girl that we went to high school with? And I'm like, sure. And he's like, she's, and this was the dawn of the internet. Like high speed internet didn't even exist yet. It was dial up internet, you know? And he's like, uh, she, she's an adult film star now. She's, she's got her own amateur site. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, uh, I'm going to hit her up and see if she wants to do something at one of our shows, play the sexy nurse. Cause at the time our shows were in bars and they were 18 and over. So I emailed this girl and uh, she, she remembered me. She said, sure. She says, look, she's like, uh, I work for a company and I told the owner about it. And he's very, very, he's really, really interested in it. And uh, so I get this email from, 
from uh, a porn star from a porn star named Carol Cox at the time, who uh, was the biggest and one of the first and biggest amateur female porn star at the time. It was actually her husband who messaged me, and they owned a company and at the time. They owned a company called Wild Rose Productions, and they're like, "We we just checked out some of some of your stuff online and everything," and they're like, "Your website is terrible because I built our website on GeoCities." He's like, "Your website is terrible," but he's like, "We're really interested in your shows. It looks cool." Why don't you come down and meet us? So I went down and I met with I met with them, and it was the, cra- it was the craziest thing because it was a webcam studio. So they're they're trying to they're trying to freak us out because they're a bunch of millionaires, you know. And they're like we're kind of a little bit of a joke to them, you know. They they want they want to sponsor us because they think it's cool to do events in Montreal and they own the nightclub and stuff, but they wanted to freak us out. So they literally call us for this meeting and we're doing this meeting and right next to us is a girl putting on a webcam show. Like a full webcam show. And like, we're, we're not on camera, but she's literally next to us. And at the time, there's no sound or anything, so nobody could hear us because the internet was new and everything. And he's like, so we wanted to, So he had the idea to change it to IWS, but to call it Internet Wrestling Syndicate because they were working at DSL and uh, cable internet was coming out. And they had just bought the rights to this multi-million dollar streaming software and everything like that. So they wanted to stream a lot of our events live online. And they wanted us to do like online shows and they had a studio. So we became the IWS, the Internet Wrestling Syndicate. And as we grew and as we, you know, we broke out in the States and a lot of those people broke out, we, we changed the name eventually to International Wrestling Syndicate because we had gone so big. We had a, an Italian fan site. We had a Japanese fan site. We had an American fan site. We were going to Philly every weekend. So that's how, that's how it became IWS. Interesting. Yeah. There you go, Jensen. So it is, it became IWS through a, basically a, a live webcam show. That's, yeah. that's yeah. Basically, basically, yeah. 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 Wow. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah I would have yeah. never. I mean, that's cool. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of wild that I'm glad that I that you had never like put that together either. Like the names. Like yeah. that's kind of cool that I just brought that up to you after. Yeah. You've, been, around, really you've been in this game this long. Like I, I'm bringing yeah. something new, which is I guess cool yeah. for me. Oh, I I, I did the dose of death. I did the Dose of Death podcast back in March with uh, the guys from Kings World Wrestling. And he had done so much research. And he's like, you realize you guys are the first wrestling federation to stream. He's like, a Japanese fan sent me you guys streaming live shows in like 2001. Before like, before anyone ever, before, you know, IPTV existed or anything like that. Before Fight existed. All He's like, you guys were doing that back then. He's like, that's that's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. I'm like, we had like uh, uh I don't know if you remember Viewers Choice Canada, where you'd order pay-per-views, like WWE pay-per-views and everything. We had our own pay-per-view on Viewers Choice Canada. We had our own TV show on the Fight Network when the Fight Network first started years and years ago. So we, we did a lot, a lot of stuff back in the day. It was, it was first for everything. You know, and that's that's one of the things like I get a lot of heat about saying this in my own province, because you know, go figure the only English company in Quebec doesn't really get the respect they deserve in a French province. But like we, I kind of feel like we're the company that kind of took wrestling out of church basements and told people, you know, you need production values. You need to make it look good, not only for your talent, but for your fans. You know, I don't want people to think they're coming to a wrestling show. I want them to think they're going to a concert. You know, I want them to like, this is a night out. And that's why when you saw like the GCW versus IWS show, which was a first for a lot of people, the fan base was totally different. You know, you've got, you've got like 2,300 people in this building going completely insane and the lights are, and that's what attracts people to those shows, you know. If I did that in a parking lot, in a parking lot somewhere, or in some small community hall with no entranceway and no production, and you know, some guy using Windows Media Player to play the music, I would not be getting that kind of crowd, you know. 
So, so uh, image is very, very big, and so is atmosphere. Speaking of streaming deals, the the partnership with GCW kind of led to the partnership with Fight TV. What made yeah. you know what made the decision of like, okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move to Fight. This is the right move for us. Well, so like last August, I, I was. I had it. I was sore. I was tired. I, I basically, I had, I was telling people I was going to have my last match. Uh, it was last, it was August 6th last year. It's actually good that I can address this because I get so much slack from people. Oh, I thought you were tired. And like, I really give a fuck. I can do what I want. You know. <laughs> but, but So I, I went out to have my last match last August and it was a fans bring a weapons match against Matthew St. Jacques from TDT. The first minute in the match, there was a, there was a screw up. I cut my hand really, really, really bad. Like I had to take my hand shut. It was bleeding everywhere. The medic was flipping. He wanted us to stop the match right away. We had to cut a bunch of stuff out. And, you know, the match ended. I, I was not happy with it. Not for, for my last match and everything. You know, it, it was just it was really, really bad luck. And also, even though it was a 23-minute match, you know, perception isn't a perception for a lot of people isn't really reality because people are like, oh, why'd you cut it short? It was so short. I'm like, that was 23 minutes. That wasn't short. But they're like, oh, you cut it short because you were hurt. So I heard that for the longest time. And it was, it was kind of getting kind of getting sick of hearing it. And, you know, I, I'm very, I'm very, very into fitness. I'm very, very into taking care of myself. I'm 40, you know, I'm going to be 48 years old soon. But, like, I, I believe in maintaining my health and working out a lot, this and that. And uh, uh, in November, I think it was late November or early December, Brett is a really, really good friend of mine. I've known Brett since he was a ref back at CZW. And for the longest time, we've been talking about doing a show together, and it just it never really the schedules didn't really work out. And then we said, you know what, we can do this in March. And I'm like, you know what, let's not just do this in Montreal. Let's do it in Toronto. You know, let's do both because I wanted to move to Toronto eventually too. What a what a good opportunity to do that. So we set this up, and you know, the whole conversation came up about Nick and how everybody's always wanted to do me versus Nick. So you know, we. We went through a, a process legally, you know, despite what a lot of people say, we just like to keep things quiet because there's a lot of haters, but we went through a process legally and we said, okay, if this works out, I'll, if I'll come back and we'll do the, I'll, Nick will be in the fans, bring the weapons and I'll be in the fans, bring the weapons and we'll tear it down. At the same time, you know, I knew that our live events, nobody puts on live events like we do in terms of production, in terms of the venue, in terms of the attendance of the fans. It's very rare you see that in indie wrestling. And I knew that, you know, Fight would get Fight Plus would get blown away. And like if you if you watch the live tweets from the show, so would the fans, you know. They're gonna be like, What the hell is this? You know, there's a, a WWE like atmosphere with deathmatch wrestling. Like this is this is incredible. So I knew that was the night, you know, that was the night to go all out, and that was the night that was gonna get us a streaming deal. And of course, we had that match. We saw how wild it was. You saw the reaction the next day on the internet, how you know the clips of my ear and this and that went completely viral. Everybody was talking about it. The downloads on Fight, the replays and everything, went completely off the wall. And, uh, you know, I uh, spoke with Brett. I'm like, who's the guy I got to talk to? He gave me the, the, the president of Fight's info. And he's like, hell yeah, we want you on here. You know, this, this is what we want. This is, what, this is the kind of product we want on Fight. And uh, the deal came through. And, you know, so a lot of people are like, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you, were, you said you were tired. And I'm like, well, you know what? When it's I don't wrestle anywhere else. I wrestle in the IWS. It's my company, you know. And I know that when I go out there, you know, I'll do what it takes 
to make sure my company gets gets the visibility it needs. And, you know, I'll take the bumps that need to be taken. I'll do what I have to do in the ring to give people, you know, what they expect from us, you know. And I mean, if you're not going to do it for your own company, who are you going to do it for, you know? So it's like, yeah, I came out of retirement. I'm much healthier. I'm lighter. I feel better. And, you know, I'm going to keep doing this until our 25th anniversary show in March. And, you know, if people don't like it, well, you know, tough shit, don't watch. But right now, I think the product is amazing. And, you know, I'm living the dream life. I feel good. And as you saw from my performance in March, you know, I can fucking go. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, in like the, the reaction too from the crowd, like in the main event, because yeah. at first it looks like, you know, the two on two. Yeah. Um, you know, the the, the tag yeah. team match. And then Nick Gage comes out. The place goes crazy. Obviously, you, you all had teased the stuff between the two of y'all yeah. heading into the show. Um, so then when your music hits and you see the PCP up on the screen, everyone goes yeah. crazy for that. And then, you know, the two of y'all square off and pretty much. I mean, it's pretty much like y'all are yeah. with each other the whole match. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, so everyone yeah. gets, you know, everyone gets like that dream match within the six person match there of the two of y'all. I mean, you did crazy stuff. Uh, you like you got thrown off like the like the balcony. balcony. Um, yeah. yeah, dude, that, that match was nuts. And then, of course, I mean, you mentioned it. I, I definitely wanted to bring this up. Your ear, dude, that was gnarly. That yeah. was gnarly. Um, that was the last shot of the whole thing, right? That was that last, yeah. that final. Uh, uh, yeah, that it was. Uh, it was like I told them at the end, like uh, you know, Jay but like light me up, you know, light me up, like if, if I'm gonna get pinned, you know, I'm gonna. Because the whole point of that match was, like you said, uh, and uh, the guys that do the GCW podcast, how they, they pinned it out perfectly. It was like, you know two kings came out to defend their armies, you know, to defend their territories. And, and, you know, of course, it was me and Nick the whole time. And I've known Nick for, for 20 years, at least, you know, like we go way back. So it's like it, it had to happen. And when that happened with, you know, that last shot, it was basically, it was just, it was bad luck. It was, you know, I looked at Nick, he hit me, I gave him the finger. I looked at Vina, she hit me, I gave her the finger. I was supposed to turn to Mass and look at him. He swung too fast. It caught me in an awkward position. It cut part of my ear off and it cut the artery behind my ear. It was a scary moment, but at the same time, what a lot of people don't know, and you know, like, uh, of course, you get all the hot dog and handshake comments on the internet, this and that. We don't realize we're in a venue with 2,300 people and the production and everything's behind. You know, there's a surgeon waiting backstage just for that situation. You know, so it's like I knew I was hurt. My partners checked on me. There was a ringside medic who checked on me. He said, it's not your neck, it's behind your ear. The ear bleeds a lot. They got me a towel. Then I saw the surgeon in the corner by the backstage. He's like, okay, come. And I was literally taken, I literally, the moment I crossed that gate that no one sees, is I was literally taken backstage by a medical team, thrown in a shower. And within, I'd say within two minutes from me being in the ring to that to backstage, I was being stitched up already. You know, so it's you know, we're obviously we're gonna take precautions. We're adults, we're not we're not kids, you know. And I know. Not every fed does that, you know, and that's not my business. That's their business. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was gnarly. You know, it was, uh, obviously I wish it didn't happen, but you know, it's, this is, this isn't, you know, this isn't polo, you know, when it's also, you kind of see like who kind of pays attention to stuff and not like when you see some of the comments, cause like, for instance, like sexy Eddie always gets it. Like whenever like the, like new eyes see sexy Eddie, they always complain about everything he does. And it's like, because yeah. they're doing this for 25 years like this yeah. isn't this isn't like a new shtick like this is what yeah. this is what you're expecting to see when yeah. you 
pay you a ticket to see Sex Yeti. Like, you know, yeah. so um, I'm sure you guys get that kind of shit all the time. But like, oh, yeah, I like, yeah. I like that y'all just don't care and you just keep doing your thing. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, that's, I mean, what literally, like, you know, tw you look at Twitter. I People go on there, they, they just want to talk shit. You know, it's like, so hey, if you want to keep retweeting the clip, uh, which is causing more people to download the show on Fight Plus, which got us a massive, massive deal. Well, go right ahead, man. You can say all the hot dog and handshake comments you want. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoy my life. I have a very good life. I'm very happy. So, you know. Well, as crazy as you are being PCP crazy effing Manny, I will say you seem pretty tame as a human being. Like you seem like a pretty reasonable, like just dude. But like once 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 that adrenaline gets going, man, you you must just really was really well. It's a, it's a it's 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 a job, you know. It's we're, yeah, we're putting, we're putting on a show. It's we're, I mean, we I get nervous every single time, and uh, you know, it, of course we all do, and you know, it, it's funny too because. You you, re you really saw, you really saw it when we did a when we did, when we did the GCW show because so we had two entrances so you know just before they announced the match uh, we're, we're all of us are together and you know we're going over everything one last six of us we're going over everything over everything one last shot and then you know Rena Mance and Nick have to go to the other side of the backstage so they can come out from their entrance and you know then I'm there with I'm I'm there with Frank and Eddie and we're like Oof, okay you know. Now, this is rare because, you know, it's the first time the three of us are going out there as partners. Usually we're facing each other. So, like, you kind of see what here we are. We're three grown men in our 40s, you know, and uh, we're, you know, you see the nerves, you see the adrenaline. And at the same time, I'm looking and I see, like, I see guys like Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne and Alec Price and, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, uh, the Rowdy Daddy, uh, Cole Radwick, they're all, they're all set. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm standing, I'm like, ooh. All right, all right. I look at them. I'm like, I'm scared. I look at them. I'm like, I'm scared. And they're like, oh, you're gonna be good. You're gonna be good. I'm like, you got no idea what I have planned, dude. Like, and, and then, and then on top of that, then you know, so so, you know, Rena and Mance go out, and then and then uh, and Eddie go out. But now I got a whole more, another whole other six, seven minutes because the whole thing with Nick has to happen. And so now I'm back there alone. You know, and I'm like, ooh man. I'm like, this is a good idea, Manny. You know, you know, keep telling myself this is the last time. It's like, so, you know, the, the nerves are there and everything. But once we go out there, you know, it's, it's our job. We put on that show and, uh, you know, we make sure that we all know what we're doing in that, what we're, what we're doing in that match. We all make, we make sure it's properly, properly planned. You know, you see a bunch of violence in the ring and it looks fucking crazy and everything. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that. You know, you, you got, six people who sat there for six hours and went over everything several, several, several times, you know, the balcony, like, uh, a lot of people are like, Oh, that balcony spot. That was, that was dangerous. That was, that was stupid. That was but like, you know, what people don't know is that, you know, one, I've had a guy that's been with us for 25 years. who's not a wrestler. He's not even a wrestling fan. He's one of my best friends. He's our truck driver. And he's one of these guys that's, you know, he can fix anything. He's good. He's good at fixing anything. Your car breaks, your, your he, he can fix anything. He's one of my best friends. And, you know, he was in charge of making sure those tables got set up properly for the balcony spot. He knew the orders that they went in. And during the day, we set that up earlier on in the day. He picked the right tables. He put the spots in. He taped the floor where they went. He stashed them nearby. Then I went up to the balcony. There was an actual target where nobody could see. There was an actual target because I wear glasses. So there was an actual target on top of the tables. So I knew where to land. 
And there's even at the point where there's white tape on the balcony of where my foot and my hands go while I'm up there with Nick. So I know there's absolutely no way when I go off, I'm going to miss, you know? Wow, so there's like, yeah. we're, we're, we're professionals, you know, it's like a lot of this stuff gets a bad, a bad reputation. And you know what? Rightfully so. Cause a lot of people don't do things the way we do things, but you know, we're, we're professionals, you know, and, and a lot of other companies get heat like that too, because you know, geez, you know, a lot of times GCW gets heat, gets heat about the stuff they do. And then you realize they're like, Hey, you know, this company runs three, four shows a week across the world. You know, there's a bit of preparation that goes into getting people across the world everywhere, paying them this, that back home. And so it's like, you know, it's like there, there is, there, there is a method behind the madness, you know? I appreciate you like giving that kind of insight because I'm going to fully admit it. I'm not the biggest deathmatch guy. Nick Gage yeah. is one of my favorite wrestlers because he is somebody who like does it well and does it yeah. right. I can't watch like a whole show of it though, because yeah. it, I start to become like a little numb. Like, all right, this is a little bit too much for me. But when you do see this stuff, it's like, oh man, this is yeah. absolutely insane. But we, we've talked to Joey Janela before and Joey Janela is always, uh, told us a lot about like how much detail goes into planning these spots and like you know we make sure we're, we're safe when doing it and we take these precautions i don't think a lot of fans who like watch this kind of deathmatch stuff like all the time actually understand that like yeah there's a lot of precautions here that maybe you you just are missing if you're just yeah. watching this match or just seeing the clip online or something so i appreciate you saying like Hey, all of this was sort of we knew this was gonna happen, we knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. yeah, my ear got sliced, but it was stitched up two minutes later. Like, I think that's very valuable insight for people who are kind of just well, seeing yeah. the gifts and everything. It, it it is. And also, you know, like I, I, I understand when people criticize it too, because I mean there's 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 been a lot of places where you know, especially in my younger years where we walked in, I was like, man, like I, I was po I was supposed to I was, years ago, they wanted me to headline one of the one of the first tournament of deaths with two other people. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that because I didn't want to get in the ring with him. Because I was like, no, I don't want somebody to stab me in the head for 25 fucking minutes. That's not what I do. I put on a stunt show like what you saw. I take big bumps. We like to tell a story as much as we can. And like you you can you can see the difference when you see, you know, like, you know, somebody who's swinging a light tube, you know, and aiming for your back or giving you that little pat on the ass that a lot of fans don't notice saying, yo, feed, feed me, you know, like, you know versus somebody who just picks something up and throws it in your head when you're not looking and stuff like that. Like there's a method to it. Again, there's a lot of feds where you see a lot of people being stabbed in the face or, you know, getting stuff thrown them, or it's just matches where people are, are smashing stuff over, over each other, you know? And there's also, you know, a lot of times, you know, most of the, a lot of the people have the same look, you know, in those matches. So it kind of gives those matches that, that reputation, you know, a bunch of guys in jogging pants and t-shirts that aren't in shape or this and that, but it's not like that, you know, like a, uh, one example, okay, Nick, Nick side, Nick is, Nick is the fucking, you know, whatever anybody wants to say about Nick Gage, Nick Gage is the most professional guy I've ever been in the ring with. I could wrestle Nick Gage with my eyes closed for hours. It, it is just, and everything will go fine. And, you know, you can even see Nick look at me when he saw my ear. He's like, yeah, we got to go home, Manny. That's not good. You know? And, uh, but you know, someone else on top of that, Rena, Rena, even with a with a lack of community, Rena is one of the smoothest people I've ever been in the ring with. She's just so good, you know, and and a sweetheart, an angel, you know. So it's like you know, there's a lot a lot of stuff. And Sawyer Wreck is another girl. She she was, you know, she helped us out so much backstage and everything, you know. I mean, I, I had friends backstage as well that, that aren't that aren't wrestlers that were helping out, but that, you know, 
and she she helped us out backstage, especially when I got cut and everything like that. You know, it's like we, we're all friends, and like like you said, a lot of like we wouldn't be doing this for so damn long, you know, and be be fit and be healthy if you know if if we didn't know what we were doing. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's it's part of the it's part of the gig. And a lot another thing I tell a lot of people. Being in shape and taking care of your body, you know, you can party, you can you can live a wild life. I, I see the craziest drug stories on Twitter and everything, but as long as you have that balance and you take care of yourself, you take care of your health, you eat well, you go to the gym and everything like that, longevity will always be there for you. Well, you know, um, you mentioned a lot of like young talent of today, uh, people like Jordan Oliver, Sawyer Rack, Cole Radger. Yeah. It's just some of the names you mentioned. Obviously, you have a lot of great you know young canadian talent that that comes through um you guys that that currently works there and then of course in the past and you know me and jeremy talked about some of these names pre-show and i'd like to get your thoughts now um so um obviously you know two guys sammy Zayn and kevin owens they they made big el generico and kevin steen made uh made some big waves um in iws and uh i know you said you had uh, like some stories about kevin steen and stuff i'd just like just to hear just anything you'd like to say about those guys. Cause obviously, I mean, they just made a event at WrestleMania this year. And like mm-hmm. you, you, you and your company had a lot to do with like how they became, you know, what they became. So, so like some, okay. So Sammy said, Sammy was, Sammy was literally one of my neighbors growing up. He lived a street away from me and he started coming to IWS shows uh, as a, as a broom boy, you know, he was, he's at like, he would, he would sweep the ring and he would sneak in early and he'd be like, he'd be practicing in the ring and taking bumps and stuff like that. And one day, uh, the, uh, TNT, the guy I was talking about before, his opponent didn't show up, and he's like, "Give me the kid." He's like, "Give me the kid," and we're like, "Sure." So we put a we put a octagon mask on him. So I don't know if anybody ever noticed that, but the generic mask is actually an octagon mask. So we put an octagon mask on him that somebody had backstage, and we named him El Generico, the generic luchador. And he went out there and he had his first match, and I'll like, I will never forget. He did a. He did a super crazy uh, corkscrew moonsault to the outside, and uh, and when he landed it, he just went ole, just like that, because he didn't know what to say. And the crowd went insane and started singing ole, 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 and it just took off. And I mean, man, he, he's, you know, we all know what happened with him and everything. And Kevin, I mean, Kevin, Kevin is the epitome of a pro wrestling fan. Like Kevin, Kevin Owens lives, sleeps, and breathes pro wrestling. I remember one year we were we were wrestling at Heavy Montreal and uh, he he had hit me he had hit me up the day after the show he had just finished uh, he was on he was on the road and uh, his wife was in Montreal visiting family and she was at the Heavy Montreal festival and uh, you know she had seen a bunch of friends of ours and he, I, he's like oh my wife says thank you for this and that I'm like oh cool thank you buddy it's all good and he's like so what did you do yesterday and I'm like oh I wrestled this guy and he's like oh nice and he's like uh, what did you do in the match and I'm like oh we did a thumbtack spot we did and I'm like in my head, I'm like, you know, at the time he was world champ. He's WWE World Heavyweight Champion. I'm like, it's 10 a.m. I'm hungover at Park Jean Drapeau for day three of Heavy Montreal because we have a, we wrestle at Heavy Montreal. We have an event called Heavy Mania, and I'm sitting here and the WWE World Heavyweight Champion is asking me about my mask, my match via text message the next day. You know, awesome. I'm like, this, this is so crazy. And then literally, it was so wild because. So I leave, I leave uh, the Olympia after I get my ear stone on and the, the doctor backstage, the surgeon wants me to go to the hospital because I had a, uh, what's it called? Uh, a, a, a hematoma under one of the cuts 
And he's like, you know, maybe you should just go double check this. The hospital is right nearby. They know you're coming. It'll take a couple hours. You know, I'll sleep better. Because, you know, doc, our doctor, like we have real doctors backstage. And they're also people we grew up with, you know. So, which is good about being older because you have a lot of friends with careers. You know? <laughs> so, so, so they genuinely care about us. So I was sitting at the hospital and one of our students from our pro wrestling school drove me there and he was going to drive me home and he's sitting with me. And the first text message, because by this point it was about 1 a.m., the internet had gone nuts. Like everybody was resharing the gif of my ear and everything. The first text message I get, 1 a.m. Saturday night is Kevin Owens, who's, you know, who just finished a pay-per-view. And he's like, Manny, your ear, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, I'm like, shit luck. And he's like, are you okay? Are you at the hospital? Where are you? Talk to me. And then I got this student sitting next to me who's like three months into pro wrestling training and he sees the name oh, on my phone. And he's like, wow. he's like, he's like, is that really, is that really who I think it is? And I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, you know, we, we're all friends. We grew up together. We, we came up together, you know? That's why you see guys like Mox in, in GCW, you know? It's like, this, this, is, this is a generation, it's a community of guys who came up together. And a lot of guys, they don't let success get to them. You know, they, they know where they came from, you know? A lot of guys don't, too. So a lot of guys forget about where they came from. But, you know, Kevin, Sami Zayn, 3.0, Speedball, Mike Bailey, they're all, like, these guys are real, man. Speedball life. I've never met someone who cares, like, because we have a pro wrestling school, obviously, and I, you've seen a lot of our students. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to them in a minute. But, like, Speedball, Mike Bailey, you know, ha- trained a lot of those guys hand-in-hand hand with Shane Hawk. And, I mean, he checks in on them all the time. You know, he, he really... And this is a guy who's wrestling five days a week, and he still takes the time to check in on everyone. He he really believes it, you know. Yeah, one, well, and not only is speedball wrestling like five days a week, he's yeah. he's in my in my honest opinion, he's the best in ring wrestler in the world right now. Like I think yeah, he, he puts is. on the the he's consistently putting on the best matches of like almost yeah. every show he's a part of. It's yeah. it's it's unreal. He just had another one with Mal the other day on Jason. Yeah. I mean, just like yeah. every time, it's unreal how good he is. Yeah. Um, I, I saw, I literally, I went to Toronto for absolutely no reason just to see Speedball versus Vikingo versus Jack Carwheel, just to see Speedball and Vikingo in the same ring. Cause I was like, I can't miss this match. I'm like, and, and you know, like I, I don't watch wrestling. <laughs> wrestling has become a job to me. I, I don't follow wrestling. I don't watch wrestling. You know, I, I keep, I, I keep business tabs on it, but it's, you know, the, 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 the hardcore fandom of wrestling for me is kind of faded out because it's, it's become part of my life. It's a job now, you know? So, but for that match, I, I went to Toronto just to see that match as a fan because that's that's how good he is. That's how much fun he is to watch. Speaking of some of the up-and-coming names on the, the independent scene in IWS, let us know like who, who we should all be keeping tabs on. And um, don't mention Shane Hawk. <laughs> and I'll throw, I'll throw out real quick from a fan perspective two guys that are like are, actually I, I like a lot of your tag teams i really do and yeah. like, i think like tdt is really slept on and i yeah. think fresh air like i love the hot stepper like i love that theme song too like i love the whole presentation yeah. of all that stuff yeah. so yeah. just just for just for my just from my perspective to like kind of being newer to some of the talent there like i, I really like in there i love I, i've known about benjamin toll for a while but i think he's a great yeah. you know champion for y'all so they're just kind of my two cents but i want to hear you know yeah. your, your thoughts for sure when i when i think of tdt like i'll say this i will put tdt against any american tag team out there if you you know there was a whole there was i remember shane hawk talked about how much easier it was for american wrestlers to, to, to get attention and everything that caused a whole bunch of whole bunch of problems on the internet but you know what it, he, he is right you know guys guys here have to work way harder to get their names out there 
And I, I feel really bad for TDT because I think TDT is one of the best tag teams in the world and they just have never gotten that chance. And, you know, you put these guys on a main show somewhere in the U.S., you know, be it GCW, be it PWG, you guys give them that one fucking shot, man. These guys will become stars overnight. And the same goes for Benjamin Tull. I've been watching Benjamin Tull for at least over, like, man, over a decade, you know, maybe 15 years. He is so good and he's gotten so much better and he eats and sleeps wrestling just like everyone else, you know, and, uh, you know, st straight out of our wrestling, you know, fresh air, as you said, you know, McRae started off at the IWS Dojo, then he moved to the Keep, and he trained under Uno and, and uh, Stu uh, and James Stone. Uh, Junior Benito, trained by James Stone, Uno and Stu, you know, they phenomenal tag team. And in the IWS, you know, we have the IWS Dojo. We have Alex Mays. We have Chris Terra. Chris Terra, uh, Chris Terra will be in the WWE within a year. She will be in AEW or the WWE within a year as a star. This girl has it all. She, she, she is not... You know, she eats, sleeps, and lives wrestling. We have Melanie Havoc. We have, we have, we have, we have Nathan. We have so many people coming out of this school that are just so good. And you know, they—they're a family. They're a team. They all work so hard to get their name out of there. You know, Cat uh, Creed, who who just when this girl goes to the ring, she demands respect. People look at her and she demands respect. Of course, you know, Casanova Productions. You know, they're they're heat machines. Uh, the Green Phantom. I mean, the Green Phantom has been doing this for so damn long, and it's almost like. It's almost like his career is taking off now, you know, like, you know, he's doing tournament of death. He's in Mexico right now. He wrestled for Arrow Stars Fed yesterday. He's, he did zone 23 today. You know, he, he's going everywhere, you know, and it's like, and it's wild. And just, just speaking on like IWS, like I've had this discussion several, several times. So in the province of Quebec, we're the only English fed and, you know, to the powers, the, the powers that be in Quebec wrestling and this and that, we were really the fed that was never supposed to make it. Cause we were like the anti-heroes, you know, we were the guys nobody wanted, and we turned around and we made this big successful company. And you know, nobody, nobody in this province ever gives us the props we deserve. You know, and it's like uh, I say it a lot of times when, when, when you know, when when people piss me off. Like, you walk into any city in the world, and you guys will know this as wrestling journalists. You walk into any city in the world, and you walk into an indie show that's generally known, and you say Canada, people will say IWS. They won't mention anyone else. That's how fucking long we've been around. That's how well, that's how well known we are. And you know, the Green Phantom was telling me when he got to Mexico, he was he was with he was with Aerostar and he was with the guys from Zona 23. And he's like, these guys, the main eventers in those shows, were pulling out IWS VHS tapes and DVDs and showing them to him. This is how long we've been watching you, you know. And the same thing, you know, a lot of people told me, you know, like GCW, you know, like the guys that were headlining our show, you know, and the, the up and comers and everything like that grew up watching us, you know, and we're still doing it, you know, and we're doing it well and we're, do, we're, you know, we're in shape and we're fit. And, you know, that's how, that's how big this company has become. And we brought, you know, it, it, it can't be denied. So, you know, like I personally, people are like, doesn't it make you mad sometimes if you don't get the respect you want in your own province, but you, you know, and I'm like, no, because I'd rather get respect worldwide than here, you know, and we're constantly innovating. And, you know, we we're the only English Federation in Quebec, but we're the only federation to get a French TV show, you know, <laughs> go figure, you know? So it's like that, that speaks volumes. You know, we have a, we have a TV show on fight network Canada. We have a TV show on fight network USA. Now we're streaming on fight plus, not fight, fight plus the premier network, you know, and uh, it, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're just going to keep doing it, man. Cause you know, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, if, um, 
I wanted to just highlight a couple of the matches here for people who you know get tuned into the show coming up. Um, uh, Scarred for Life, some of the big matches that you got coming up. Um, yeah. you got Vanessa Craven versus Maki Ito. I mean, that's that's huge having Maki coming. Yeah, that is that is huge. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm a big fan of Maki. I think that girl has branded herself so damn well. She deserves it. She de- deserves all the attention she's getting worldwide. But you know what? Somebody who deserves it even more is Vanessa Craven because Vanessa Craven never got that chance. You know, she almost got that chance. She got hurt. But I think Vanessa Craven, honest to God, I think Vanessa Craven should be in NXT. I think she, or AEW, she should be out there kicking the shit out of people because there is no specimen like Vanessa Craven and she can go, you know? So I'm very happy that she's having that match. I hope it gets her places because that's one of the reasons why we do what we do. We want to get, you know, we want people to get ahead, you know? So, and hopefully not forget where they came from. (laughs) So, you know, When uh, you mentioned Melanie Havoc, your IWS Women's Champion, she defeated Allie Catch on that GCW event, um, and she's That's wrestling Danny Leo. So um, if you want to speak yeah, to that the, a little bit. As well. da- Danny Leo is really, really good. Danny Leo came to our school. Uh, she was in another school. She was very unhappy there. She ended up coming to our school. She picked everything up really, really fast. She's getting really, really good. Danny Leo is also like, you, you cannot tell by looking at her, but she is one of the fittest women in professional wrestling. Like the girl can squat. 225 pounds the girl can do tension up she's she's very very athletic and she's fine-tuning you know that athleticism in with the pro wrestling and i think she's gonna get really really ahead uh, you know melanie havoc has been in the wrestling scene for a long time as a manager she finally took the steps to become a pro wrestler she trained really hard she deserves everything she's gotten another match that we're really looking forward to of course is the four-way ladder match we got the bay city choir boys who have been t- you know a french tag team who have been tearing it up like crazy we have a uh, fresh air who, I mean, you know, there's nothing we, there's nothing bad you could say about fresh air. They're amazing. You know, you have wasted youth who came in, they debuted last event with us. They're an amazing tag team, really, really good kids. And of course you got TVT and it's a ladder match and, you know, ladder matches in the IWS are like no other place. They're completely, completely wild. So that'll be, that, that is going to be something completely special. Benjamin tall, putting the title on the line against dark Sheik. I'm really, I cannot wait to see dark Sheik go to the ring. You know, uh, it, it's wild. It, it, it's so wild. I'm looking so forward to that. Um, you have Casanova productions and, uh, Casanova productions, the three of them going against, going against, uh, the green phantom, uh, Christera and Alex Mays, uh, Christera and Alex Mays just beat them for the tag belts last event. It's going to be a great, 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 great match. Of course, you have Ali Catch and and, and uh, you have Ali Catch and uh, Effie, <laughs> Effie going against me and Lufisto, and it's pretty crazy. I've fought Lufisto several times in the past 25 years. I've never teamed with her, so I'm really, really looking forward to this. And uh, you know, us Canadians have a reputation of showing those American GCW guys what real deathmatch wrestling is. So uh, I think they're in for a surprise because they're going against the king and queen. So. <laughs> So it's gonna be pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. Lufisto wrestled um, Sawyer on the uh, on that last yeah. GCW yeah. I, I, I WS show, and yeah. uh, that and was fresh played... off Lufisto. Yeah, she she just recently in the Hall of Fame too around that time, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she wrestled a week later. She wrestled uh, she wrestled Rena actually in Toronto a week later as well. It was wild. So it's uh, I, I'm really really looking forward to this event. And another thing too, it's you know. A lot of people told me, why Why are you running an event in the middle of July? July is the worst time of the year to run shows. It's summer. There's a lot going on. It's very hard to draw. You know, I mean, we're running a company. You know, we, we have to put on events, especially with the Fight Plus deal coming. 
we re- we really needed to run this date. And you know, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of events going on in the city of Montreal and everything. But lucky for me, it's going to be raining all week, so most most outdoor festivals are canceled, and it's going to be hot as hell. And the Olympia has air conditioning, so what better thing to do? What better thing to do with your night? Come to the Olympia, forty five bucks, you get to see eight solid wild matches, top tier production value, streamed on Fight Plus. Come in and see the hometown heroes go live across the world. Because I guarantee you, if you thought March was crazy, if you thought there were some viral clips coming from March, man, it's going to be the exact same thing. Sunday, July 16th, the entire internet's going to be talking about us again. Any, our last question that we that we ask yeah. everybody is the coolest thing you have in your room. The coolest thing I have in my room, my, my two cats. We had one to a run-in. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we had a quick run-in earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. My two cats, uh, a lot of bongs because <laughs> I own prohibition downtown Montreal's premier smoking accessory store. Uh, not too we many, might get demonetized many. if you show one of those. So yeah, I, I really want to see it. Show, show one, right when we get up, go off air, you can show me. Your yeah. Well. I, I, I am interested. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone yeah. wants to say, I mean, we, 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 we will shill though. So, I mean, I don't know. There's a fine line between like sponsorship and like demonetization. I feel like, so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah, if I if I show the bongs, you're gonna get demonetized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't want to do that. Really do that. <laughs> okay, yeah. no, all right, fine. That's yeah, fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Manny, yeah. please, please yeah. let everyone know uh, where they can find you at. And again, another another plug for IWS Scar for Life it, this Saturday, sure. July fifteenth. Yes, uh, we're you can find us anywhere: Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook on uh, IWS Hardcore, PCP Crazy Manny on uh, on Instagram and on on Twitter uh and uh tickets are available at, at linktree slash iws hardcore all the newspaper articles on our shows everything's available there and yeah man uh come check it out or watch it on fight plus it's gonna be a it's gonna be a wild event just like every other event we have and honestly i tell everybody about this when, when i tell about coming to a live show you don't have to come to a lot iws live show for the wrestling the wrestling is top tier the show is wild you're gonna see insanity but you really have to come to one of our live shows for the fucking atmosphere because it's all about the atmosphere yeah awesome atmosphere but like i said yeah. the, the what i've seen of, of y'all's shows uh awesome yeah. atmosphere and fight plus we aren't we are not endorsed or we're sponsored yeah. by fight plus but i, yeah. I legitimately believe like if you're a yeah. fan of professional wrestling i've what's it yeah. now I, I have it for five bucks a month because i got in early but Same. i think it's only like yeah. seven or eight bucks still it's eight so bucks it's a like month yeah eight bucks a month like your yeah. one show that you're running yeah. this week is worth eight bucks and not exactly. to mention all the other stuff you're gonna get. So, like if yeah. you if you're watching this interview and you do not have Fight Plus, I'm not yeah. I have no benefit at all of, yeah. of getting you to go sign up, but I yeah. think you should. So there you go. Thank uh, you. Just on, a, on another note, if you if you like if you if you like supporting the independent professional wrestling feds, I'm gonna I'm gonna be real. This this is gonna piss a lot of people off. But like I, I've been involved in several streaming deals. I've been involved in streaming deals since the very, very beginning. You know, Fight Plus actually takes care of the wrestling companies you know they they actually make sure you you get some good money out of it you know and they help out they send the live u 300s which are very expensive units to the event so you could stream they offer a lot a lot of uh, a lot of info and everything like that they are the one true company that if you know if you can get on fight i don't know about fight the regular fight uh, i have nothing to do with that but if you're good enough to get on fight plus you've made it because they do care about you as a company they they you know, I talk with the top people there. They, you know, many, many other companies from television companies to smaller streaming platforms, you know, it, 
people, people get annoyed with you or, or people don't even talk to you. I've been on television. I've had several television deals. A lot of people don't even want to sit in a room with you. These guys, the top people there, they speak to you. They take their time. They help you out and they make sure you get paid well. So I give them big props on that. There you go. Again, you can get Fight Plus. Uh, I believe it's $8 now. If, you, if you're signing up new, Jensen and I got in on that early. Only $5 for us. Um, but yeah, Fight Plus, a, a great deal if you're, if you're a wrestling fan. Everybody yeah. can watch IWS Scarred for Life. Again, this Saturday, July 15th on Fight Plus. Get on that right now. Go check out all the links below. All the links to, to support Manny, support IWS are in the description. Everybody, Manny, thank you again for your time tonight. We really, we appreciate it. We're very grateful for you sharing all these stories and, and just insight and knowledge for your long historic career that is not over, still kicking ass, going to kick yeah. some ass this Saturday, July 15th, IWS Card for Life. Everyone, go check it out. Thank you again to Manny. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Guys, we'll be right back here on The Spotlight. All right, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with myself, Jeremy, and Crazy Manny. I will make sure the links wind up in the description. They're not there currently. That's my bad. I'm not usually the one responsible for putting all this together. But when Jeremy's off, it's on me. And I got to make sure those links get in there. So by the time a lot of people watch the replay, the links for um, IWS and for Manny should be in the description of the video. Uh, my apologies on that. But please make sure to go support the product. Awesome interview there. Um, speaking of awesome interviews, next week, y'all will hear from Jeremy Padauer, myself and Jeremy already, myself, Jeremy, and Jeremy already recorded that interview yesterday. That's going to air on next Thursday's episode of the of uh, the Spotlight, and it's incredible. If y'all know who Jeremy Padauer is, he is a legend in the action figure game. Uh, he's the one who's responsible for all these AEW figures you see behind me. Um, it's an incredible conversation. We wound up talking for like probably around like an hour and 20 minutes with him too. He gave us a ton of time and we had an incredible in-depth conversation. So that'll be next week right here on the spotlight. Thank you for everyone who joined us early on today's show. We normally are at 9.30 Eastern in the morning. We were at 8.30 this morning. Uh, you know, So appreciate y'all for joining early. Appreciate everyone who watches this on the replay. Uh, please hit the like button. Please hit subscribe. And um, the next time y'all will see me will be on Saturday night right here on this channel. I'll be with Joel Pearl reviewing Impact Wrestling Slammiversary live right after the show happens. So come join us Saturday night. And then please check out the Fightful Select Weekender podcast that'll drop on Sunday over on FightfulSelect.com, talking the world of indie wrestling and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I'm going to go clock in for my shoot job right now. Good to see everyone here in the chat. And uh, thank you once again to PCP, Crazy Happy Manny. And thank you very much to my brother, SP3, for filling in for Jeremy on today's show once again. Y'all have a great day. And I'll see y'all on Saturday for the Impact Post Show. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.